to a world where monsters have taken their place among cinematic history, but who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real villains as we explore the classic cinema along with some modern greats and find the monster within us. Welcome to the Literature License Podcast. This is Make Remake Week, where we'll be covering two movies, the original and the remake, starting with The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy from 1999. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got C. Derek Miller with us. Hello, Chad. What's going on? <laughs> got Joe Redazzo with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. John Wilson. Hello, John. Hello, folks. Vicky Ray. Hello, Vix. Hey, guys. And I'm your host, Keishago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Chad, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, I just put the finishing touches on my first short film script. We begin filming in December. I saw that. And, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's going to, man, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, also, cool. I just released a short story compilation. A couple of those short stories are back from the old uh, media bitch days. So oh, I no shit. Right there was <laughs> a lot of good stories in there, though. Yes. A lot so of good I, stuff. I a lot of good resurrected stuff. some of that stuff and just kind of, you know, took took my uh, my media bitch uh, short stories and some of my desk head short stories and a couple of new ones and just combined them all into one little collection as good kind idea. of a little one stop shop. So uh, and I'm selling it on Amazon. Uh, paperback copies are six dollars and sixty six cents. But don't you worry, kids. Six sixty six. What a yeah, good the, number. The real devil's gonna add tax to it, so you guys don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sure. Then it'll be thirteen. It was a nice round number. <laughs> and what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Well, uh, last weekend I was at the uh, the Twisted Dreams Film Festival in Milwaukee. It was my I think as far as I know, my first event since, you know, post-COVID, um, I was one of the judges for the film festival, and uh, we also had Lloyd Kaufman bring Stevens there. First time I've seen Lloyd since February oh of 2020, so that was that was super cool. Found out his hotel room was uh, right down the hall from mine. Awesome. <laughs> so, that, so that was cool. When I, wa I walked into his hotel one night, and I was like, oh, he's right down the hall from me. Um but it was a it was a great time. First time seeing a lot of old friends that I haven't seen, that uh, that have done like the uh, like the trauma events and stuff like that. Um, interesting little little tidbit. Uh, there was a burlesque show prior to the uh, prior to the screening of uh, Shakespeare Shitstorm, and apparently whoever set up the stage wasn't set up right. So uh, the oh, girls no. came and asked me, "Would you mind coming back behind the stage?" And holding the stage so that the girls could dance. So I said, you want me to get down and sit down behind, <laughs> behind the, the stage and look up at the girls who are stripping. Such a hardship, <laughs> I know. And you know, I gotta tell you, what a what a life. You're you're literally oh. becoming a pillar of the community there. <laughs> what are your therapy <laughs> like yeah, right good now? One. I was yeah, literally a pillar of the burlesque community in that case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had a had a good time. Great. Uh, finally met Bring Stevens. I've written two films that she was in, but I've never met her in person. 
as soon as uh, as soon as I walked over to her and, and mentioned my name, she knew immediately who I was, which is just insane. Um, so yeah, it's super cool. Uh, really had a great time. Uh, if you guys uh, have somewhere you want to submit to next year, Twisted Dreams Film Festival is a great weekend in Milwaukee and a lot of fun. Very cool. Oh, excellent. Awesome, Joe. And what about yourself, John? What have you been up to? Uh, I earlier this month, I went to Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, which is so much fun. You're Uh, having too much fun again. It's, it's amazing. I only went one day this year. I wanted to definitely go more days, but kind of glad I didn't. It was Saturday's the big day. It's just, there's a lot of people there. So like I usually go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it was, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, really cool costumes and, you know, fun times, but it was packed. It was so packed in there. Um, and yeah, that was nice. And, you know, gearing up for the hol- Halloween season, I'm uh, watching movies every day, watching something new every day. I, d- I feel like it's literally my favorite time of the season. So you know. it is. It really uh, is. I finally got around to seeing Last Night at Soho, which was so good. I oh was my like, God. I, I love that movie. I was shocked love at how good movie. it was. It was so good. Oh, it, really was. it really was. Uh, I've, I've been telling people to go see that movie like for over a year. I just so I watched it with some friends and we were like I think all of us were just like wow that was really good like it's like one of those like you're you're, I was happy that I watched it with my friends I just didn't watch it by myself um and uh what else oh and I'm I'm designing a tattoo so I'm getting to on Sunday so I'm really happy about that it's been a in something in the work for months now that I finally is coming to special that you made for yourself I did it's actually um it's uh something for with my parents and my brother it's just something that i it's it's everything is whenever i do decide to do a tattoo it always comes from the heart i don't just pick something from a book and be like i want a turtle like i'm not that person i want a a pokemon Yeah. yeah so it's been a lot of work in progress uh chris lopez is the tattoo artist in uh seven souls in new jersey so i can't wait to uh to get started on that so what about yourself Vix? what are you up to not a lot. Asher's been getting into the kind of graduated from BMX. I'm heartbroken, but it's into motocross. So we're kind of graduating to that kind of stuff, which is kind of fun. New people, totally different venues and stuff, but we're, he's getting there. But uh, on top of that, not doing a whole lot. Uh, there's some things going on around here I've been getting involved in, but uh, just hanging out, doing the Halloween thing. Um, uh, we did watch black, finally watched black phone. Joe had wrote, did you wrote a good review on that too? Or was that Matthew wrote the review? That, that was probably Matthew. I didn't write anything about black. Phone. Matthew wrote an excellent review. I like yours too. Kind of figure out something to do with those reviews y'all write. Cause those are fantastic reviews. I really enjoy well, reading them. The thing is, those are really just like what I'm, what I'm thinking about. A movie I know, but I I'm like them. It. Those aren't anything like, like I, I've, I've written some stuff that's like really in depth, but if I tried to do that for every every movie I'm watching for this uh, this this watch challenge, it'd take me ten oh, years. Oh, I know you never. <laughs> I just enjoy yeah. when you guys do it. But what was I watching? Um, oh yeah, I finally watched Resident Evil Final Chapter. I was not disappointed. I thought I was going to hate it. I really enjoyed it a lot, and it did kind of look like there was room at the end where there might possibly something happen again. But I doubt it. I think they're really going to probably can it after this one. But I really enjoyed all those films. Uh, and I, Keith got me into these two movies and I thought I was like, was looking, I was reading what was they were there about. Like, I'm going to hate them. But now it was Sissy and Deadstream. Totally loved them. What were they on Netflix, Keith? They're on Netflix. They're on Shutter. Day. No, Shutter. Shutter, yeah. But my, yeah. 
net shutter. But they're really, really good. Deadstream, totally freaking love that, especially. It was freaking good. You, um, you guys had suggested my best friend's exorcism, and I want to watch that. I love that one, too. Oh, I want to watch that. I also want to watch, there's, is there's a new one, too, at the boy, the the nicest boy in the world or something like that and it's about a boy who creates his own family that they're all dead <laughs> so oh, he brings them back huh. it's it's very kind of like old tim burton like it's really it looks cute it's it's i think australian maybe cool. um, I, they, they put out some good stuff what was that yeah. wormwood i love wormwood i didn't like uh, the wormwood was one great so yeah they made a second one i couldn't get through it i actually have not finished watching it but the first one was really really good and we did we did black bone yeah and then i found this um what was it a uh, dracula the untold story thing that was it was like a 2014 i want to say i, I really enjoyed that i liked it i didn't think i was going to like it but it was something different it was kind of like one of those sunday afternoons you know and it's oh, like it's oh called, this looks it's, good. it's called the loneliest boy in the world so it's coming the out the loneliest boy in the world yep. right mm-hmm. but um just season two barbarians finished up uh, the, the the rings and i think i got one more episode this week of house of the dragon i th- and i'm finally liking it finally and i think we might have to wait two years for the second season and i don't know if i can do that i'll probably have to buy the books now because i don't want to waste i'm years i'm trying i am trying so hard to like it so, it's to hard. Like it's house hard. of the dragon it's okay I, i'm the opposite i i didn't watch game of thrones as it came out i binged it that's yeah, what I did. Same. That's what After I did. Fact. And I actually enjoyed the final season more than I liked any of the previous seasons. Like, what is everybody complaining about? You know, oh, it, it was it. the last <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. it. Was, I hated it. Was it. Six, it was six episodes, Chad. They totally screwed It was like they literally us. dumped yeah, fire you, in the whole entire got, series. It was like, past, let's destroy it all. <laughs> you got past all the family drama and you got past all the incest. And it was just a bunch of Lord of the Rings type battles. And the, yeah. I guess that's right. what I wanted, but House of the Dragon, it's like, okay, that's obviously what people wanted. They wanted family drama and incest. So well, obviously it gave it definitely gave new meaning to Uncle, I need you. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, like all Little I can think Damon. about all I can think about is the South Park movie. Like it's Terrence I love and Damon Philip, though. And the Uncle watch- Fucker song. That's all I can <laughs> think about. I watch it because I love Damon Targaryen. I that and and Raina. She's I a just feel ass. like they that, they that are always going to create characters in those types of series that are just the most wicked, you know, whatever. And then they're going to create the nice person that ends up getting killed in two episodes. Like it's I like, like it's I not like they're the not meant to survive at all. The last episode was I love the last episode. Last Sunday that was great. I'm sorry she could have totally torched them assholes and she didn't that was that was my call too like like right when the episode started i'm like gonna, okay oh, she's gonna burn them there's there's gonna be like some the dragon ex machina the dragon's gonna like pop up at the last minute and stop oh, i knew that was gonna happen you and knew I'm it like, she snuck off you knew she was going to grab her dragon uh, yeah spoiler alert uh it didn't spoiler happen. Alert, yeah <laughs> well it's all the, the memes are all over social media right. now so you know, but and the foot thing was not expecting the foot thing. That blew my mind. What the fuck? <laughs> but yes. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> People who watch it know what I'm talking about. No, that's uh, I'm just I'm hoping I'm hoping for something big in the final episode. I'm enjoying Andor, and everybody's hating on that one too. Andor. Yeah, yeah it's the uh, Star Wars series. It's like the prequel to Rogue One. It's yeah, it's, it revolves around the one character, right? More it's the, so smart that your typical Star Wars fan hates it. 
I think people just, I think people get stuck in the rut of just not wanting them to do anything else with the, the themes or the storylines and they just get resentful. Like, cause I know I do it on certain stuff. So like the walking dead, I'm totally resentful right now. I, I'm been, over it. I've been I'm over done. it. I am so over with the walking dead right now. And I was a I'm huge done. fan. End it. Please yeah. end it. I'm so done. <laughs> I mean, I You'll feel like they're just that gonna go that they're just gonna end it with whatever the the daughter telling. Oh, I remember everyone, and then she dies. <laughs> it's like yeah. great, awesome, you know. Or, or, or Rick, Rick's gonna that. wake up in the bed like the Wizard of Oz and be like, "I had a dream, a dream, and you were Did there." They pull that dream shit. There. It's gonna be a Saint Elmo's fire, fire you mean, where it's all in the kids' heads. <laughs> Oh my God! No kidding. But and yeah, then and then it, like Dana Carvey and Mike Myers are gonna come on screen and be like, "Fished in, fished yeah. in." <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens, I guess. But other than that, not a whole lot. Just getting ready for Halloween. What about you, Keith? You've been working. It looks like you got your scrubs on. Yeah, um, yeah, working. Um, on fr- next week, Friday, I signed my contract with Dark Pictures Anthology, which is a computer game company. Yeah, so that's, that's amazing. So that's quite good. They bought a script of mine, I and did. yeah, it's taken a while. I've just had to get the percentages right, so that took about a month to get my percentages right. How much I want sort of thing so we finally agreed to that so i'm doing that on friday afternoon so before i come to the show congrats that's amazing so that's good and then i wrote a short story that's been shortlisted in a competition and is that the one you sent me yes that one it was so good i loved it okay and then i've been commissioned to write a children's book which is what i'm working on now so but besides that knew your real mind I know. <laughs> what type of children's book is this? Are you know, children, children, or are you, you need to it already? <laughs> well, you gotta have monsters in it. You gotta have horror. Children love horror. Uh-huh. They so do. You gotta have they that really aspect do. Of it. I know my grandson so. does. And besides that, it was good to see Heather Loggenkamp in um the Midnight Club. It's good to see her come back looking old mumsy and stuff. So I finished mumsy. watching that. And then I wa- I'm watching this game show on netflix called the mole which is really good i highly recommend it it's really fun i remember the mole was this the one years ago it came out is it a new one a new version of the mole yeah basically they're like they have to do these clues and they keep they keep adding money to the pot and there's a mole that's taking out but you no one knows and i like it because you don't know who the mole is yeah you're kind of watching it along so abc years ago did the mole and it was i think it was on for a year or two years and they stopped but i loved it because it was it's almost a bit of like national treasure meets clue like it's like you're trying to figure out how to how to win competitions i remember one where they had to sit in a room and they either had a choice of sitting in this room for however many hours and getting the next clue or i forget waiting it out so one person sat in the room and they played tiny bubbles for 12 hours oh my for 12 God. hours and you sat in this room tiny bubbles in my tiny mind. bubbles <laughs> like literally over and over no. and over again for 12 hours yeah no yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty much it i mean watching a lot of stuff on shutter at the moment i really recommend the documentary series that's on there now called queers for fears i've seen um, it that's very good. Um, the second episode was about jo- um, James Whale and was also about um, Alfred Hitchcock. Really? The episode after that has to do with um, Frankenstein and the Mummy, which is quite well done. So very cool. Oh wow! So, it's on Netflix. It's on Shutter. Shutter. Okay, cool. 
I'll check it out. Yeah, all the best stuff's on Shutter. If you want, if you want a good horror, it Shutter's really is. Have you guys that, tried so. Scream? Was was a Scream box? I had it for like a week, and I just no. I I mean, yeah. I've been same with Keith. Like Shutter has been. Well, yeah. I want to watch something new and scary because even my friend was trying to find something. I'm like, heck, go on Shutter. There's tons of stuff you can watch it. Or well, watch like, I want scary, and I'm like, okay, then go on Shutter. Watch this. See a dead stream. You'll enjoy them. I did. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, dead stream's excellent. That's oh, awesome. It is so good. Better. I saw that one. I really enjoy that one. That's uh, with Michael Monroe playing a uh, a young woman who moves to uh, I think it was Bucharest, Bucharest or Prague. Moves there with her uh, her boyfriend who is uh, getting a job and uh, or getting some some promotion that takes them out there. And she keeps seeing somebody at the in the window across the street that seems to be watching her. And it's act. It's a really 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 good thriller. Uh, Bern Gorman, who's in a lot of the uh, Guillermo del Toro movies and um, uh, played Charlie Bluthorn on uh, on The Offer earlier this year. Um, he's the person she suspects is uh, is following her. And it's just a really, really excellent movie. What's really enjoyed again, that. Joe? Watcher. Watcher. I've seen, I've seen the ad for it. I haven't watched it yet. I'll write that down to you. Give me something. Oh, and I also watched the new Dario Argento film as well. I, I, I'm, I gotta see that. <laughs> what is it? I'd be bad. Is that the dark, the cabinet dark or... glasses? Oh, okay. nah, yeah. Dark glasses. Uh, yeah, Dario Argento. Yeah. Very. Uh, it's good, actually. The acting's right, really good. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's very, it's very um, Jalo film. It's um, the only I would say the only thing different is the blood is a lot more realistic now. It's so. not like bright red. <laughs> not anymore. No, it's quite. Bright. But, but it's, uh, it's such a signature thing, though—the bright red blood. Though. I don't know. But is, is the, this acting, a the acting in it's fantastic. Um, Asia Argento does a really good acting job in it, and the little Chinese boy does fantastic. It's really good acting. I was quite surprised. It was quite good because normally you get kind of great movie, but kind of ropey acting in his films. So, but it's not this time around. So I started watching that creepy, that creepy show about Adina. What's it called? Santa, Santa Vida. Is that what it is? Don't know that one. Santa Vida. And um, mm. Hulu about uh, Vida Perone. What happened? Oh to yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. That series that's is really excellent. good. I'm like on episode four. You get all subtitled, but oh my God. <laughs> I know, oh where he's like having, having having sex with the dead body and the oh, dead multiple bodies. Even in peace, she could not rest. You gotta watch some of it. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's a necro romance. Well, we all yeah. yeah, necro caught in a necro romance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, have to believe. I mean, Eva Director de Peron. I mean, I have to sit there and say her death is even more fascinating than her life. And you're like, God no Almighty, kidding. what? Yeah. What a weird weird historical well the inter- the interesting thing is is that they must have lifted the band on her in argentina because up until about five years ago you still couldn't mention her name yeah in right. argentina so so now this is an Argentinian series about her yeah so very, very good very very good and, and they show her in quite a decent light as well so quite you they, know, they, should, they humanize her. her basically Flip yeah but really good acting all the way around, so. Yeah, it is.
this brings us to The Mummy, which is a 1932 American pre-code supernatural horror film directed by Carl Friend. The screenplay by John L. Batterston was adapted from the um, trustee written by Nina Wilcox Putnam and Richard Schreier. Released by Universal Studios, part of the Universal Classic Monsters franchise, the film stars Boris Karloff, Zita John, David Manners, Edward Von Sloan, and Arthur Byron. In the film, Karloff stars as Imhotep, an ancient Egyptian mummy who was killed for attempting to resurrect his dead lover, Ankh in Anman. After being discovered and accidentally brought to life by a team of archaeologists, he, he disguises himself as a modern Egyptian named Ardath Bey and searches for Ankh and Anman. I'm sure I just massacred that. Anxanaman. Anxanaman. Anxanaman or Anxanaman, whichever. Oxymoron. Oxymoron. Just call her Ankh for short. Just call her Ankh. There you go. Who believes to have been reincarnated in the modern world. Whilst being less um, culturally impactful than his predecessor, Dracula and Frankenstein, The Mummy was still a modern success, spawning several sequels, spin offs, remakes, and re imagings. And a Hammer Horror um, series as well. So before we get started, let's go to the trailer of The Mummy, and we'll be right back. Death. Eternal punishment. For anyone who opens... This casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. Ah! There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He is going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. <laughs> the podcast we're discussing the mummy from 1932 so chad what are your thoughts of the mummy well this was the first time i had seen the original I, i've been going back quite a bit and going back and watching these old uh black and white universal films the only one that i was well versed in was the wolfman for a very long time and uh, i believe dracula as well but uh, I've, I've just been on this trip because a lot of the modern movies have been so horrible lately, you know, and the same thing with the music. So what do I do? I go back and I search out the catalog for all the things I purposely avoided back when I was younger. And this yeah. was this was one of them. And uh, I just I tried to put myself into the place of someone in 1932 in the theater watching this for the very first time. And it, 
comparison to the other things that had come before it. I can imagine that a lot of people in the theater were scared out of their damn mind and possibly quite a few of the, uh, the women were a little turned on too. Uh, just, uh, it, it's so subtle. Uh, it's, it's the, the entire performance is, is very subtle and it, it's such, it's such a, a slow build, but, uh, Karloff is yeah. amazing. He, he carries the whole film because everyone else uh, is is doing that whole 1930s, you know, speaking really, really fast. And, you know, they're all dressed to the, they're out in a tent in the middle of the desert. Dressed of course, to the they're, nines. Yeah, yeah, they're dressed to the <laughs> nine. And uh, as I guess, I, I can't say whether or not society was that way. In 1932, I wasn't there, but old movies want us to think that that's the way it was. But uh, Karloff was a damn genius through this whole thing. His performance was was so creepy and just, uh, man, he, he kind of got under your skin, you know. And I could see, as we'll talk later, what the 1999 film was was trying to do and how they borrowed so much from that. But, you know, this being the grandfather of all that, I, this is a perfect, like, old uh, monster film. I, I loved it. Yeah, and like you said, it's Karloff is carrying the entire the entire movie. He's yes. doing all the work here because otherwise, I feel like they just took the Dracula screenplay and just changed a couple of things around. Um, but Carl Frun being a cinema uh, being a cinematographer, the film is I think a lot more visual than Dracula, which is which is what I like about it. Um, and Zena Johan is sexy as hell. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, in distress. She is wow. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. She wasn't. She wasn't in that many movies. And probably married a producer and and just kind of lived happily ever after. Uh, but uh, the the other thing that 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 struck me that I, you know, I don't I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, the guy's dead, so he's never going to hear me say this. David Manners. I always find him to be so boring. I found him boring in Dracula. I find him <laughs> kind of bland in everything. And there was a point where uh, where Universal. I guess was trying to groom him as like the hero of these movies because he's in so many of them. Mm -hmm. And I just, he just bores me to tears. I just find him so bland. <laughs> but other than that, Karloff is fantastic. The set design in yes. this movie is amazing, um, which it usually is in these Universal movies. Um, and I, uh, I had the, um, I had the opportunity, October 1st, uh, Fathom Events put this and Bride of Frankenstein back in theaters. So I, it's fresh in my mind because I just saw it a couple of weeks ago in a movie theater and it was just so cool just seeing it play out. Right. Yeah. Seeing it play yeah. out on the big screen. It was so, so cool. Um, and you just kind of, you just kind of, the atmosphere of it just kind of, just kind of engulfs you. It's, it's really that, it's really that good. It's the atmosphere in Karloff really carrying this movie though. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I also think that um, this version of this movie is similar to chat as well i've never seen this movie i was surprised that because i was starting to watch and i was like have i and i was like no because i've definitely seen dracula a million times i've seen frankenstein a million times and wolfman same uh and so it was nice to have fresh eyes to watch this and right immediately how the story just takes you in um, the difference of one is you get this epilogue through a backstory, right? Which we'll get into with the the remake. Um, this everything is the events of something happening, which is man's hubris, right? Opening yeah. a box you should not open, and it all begins, <laughs> right. right? There's a lot we'll talk about the other mummy about 
a lot of events have to happen to get to where you get to where you know things hit the fan um i loved just the simplicity to this movie in that sense that you it's your carry the beats are carrying you throughout the story and it's all you're along for the movements you know you're along for when it's three years later and now they're they're being reacquainted and it's it's this um almost like a dance between you know um the mummy and these characters trying to to get them to be involved in uh what he wants from them and not knowing like as an audience member you're like i know because i've seen the other the remake of it i was like well i kind of think i know where this is going but i don't but then it it just was um it was lovely to see that dance um i wasn't as a big a fan as zita i felt like sometimes she was a little um aloof a little too much aloof all the time i thought it made sense when she was being lured and being pulled by him but like in the beginning when she's just standing there and she's like <laughs> like she's like just staring into nothing and i'm like girl like you can you don't have to be aloof all the time and she was a little aloof the entire I time i think that's the way they like to portray their heroines back there because they yeah. wanted that light you know to catch it just that that far away well, but i felt like they, made her, they meant to make her a stronger character because she well, felt no, very think, independent see i think this is where the the film was supposed to be a lot longer and they film scenes where they have her character through other periods of time and she dies horribly because she never gets resurrected oh. but they they did film it but they cut all that out because they thought it slowed down the pace of the film so that might be that the reason why sense. she's a, yeah like, so, so she's always feeling like there's a part of her soul missing through her life sort of thing and that's why she would back that well, way she's supposed to be a reincarnation that's why i wish they wouldn't have kept that out I wish did yeah. somebody ever put the well, moment. Is there a totality of that movie somewhere around? Did they ever um, put to be stuff? honest, a lot of that it universal existed. stuff, once it was cut, was cut. That's very they rare that, that Yeah, stuff they burned around. it. They didn't keep That's it. Right. <laughs> they were just like, bye. Oh, we we're we're lucky that we found that that the the, the scenes were found uh from uh from Frankenstein of Colin Clive uh saying um, you know, in the name of God, now I know what it's like to be God and Frankenstein uh right. The, the monster throwing the little girl into the into the into the lake because we're lucky we found those at all like if, if there's anything from these movies that's missing it's very unlikely we're ever going to see them again unfortunately i think also what's interesting about the film is that it is what you would do for love and so it is i feel like a bit of empathy for the mummy versus like the one we will talk about it's it's sort of breaking the rules and like all, like doing a lot more <laughs> getting, and, well, and other things. He's, he's kind of a mean, mean asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I think it's what he, he was doing for love. His, he just wants her back. He doesn't care yeah. what he is. But it also makes sense though, because he kind of lost her. And now with Keith, what he said, that even makes even it worse, right? If right. he's constantly losing her, then that just that sucks. Like, well, the thing like, is, he doesn't he doesn't constantly lose her. What happens is because he this is the first time he comes back, but because of what because of her feeling this missing part of her soul, that she keeps coming back, expecting, you know, waiting for something to come to come back for her. Which yeah. he does, of course, he doesn't come back until the present time in here. So she dies horribly every in every single decade that she gets reincarnated. Oh wow, that's oh my god, that's horrible. Yeah, anything yeah. that happens to her is a lot better than what the hero of the film was trying to do to her. Through yeah, like, he just <laughs> he, like, hey, I know I just met you and this is crazy, but I love you. Stay here on the couch. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I mean, the day he meets her. <laughs> I also love that we have no idea where he is. 
And then all of a sudden she disappears. Oh, we should look at the museum. I was like, what the what? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? You're like, uh, we looked mm. everywhere. Oh, but the museum. Let's go there. They're probably there. I was like, uh. Mm. Well, the, uh, his father uh, is, is like uh, the head of the museum and they, they found a girl there. So I think that's, I think that's how the, the two came together, right? Because they, they're like, oh, this yeah. girl passed yeah. out in front of the museum. So he probably got oh, yeah. a phone call. Um, but the, the thing, the thing that strikes me is all the stuff that you, that you think of like the stereotypical mummy movie, you really don't have that except for the first, the first sequence when, um, the, uh, the hand move, well, when the eyes open and then the hand moves slightly and Imhotep comes out of the tomb, that's like what everybody thinks of when they think of, you know, the old mummy movie. So it's weird because it kind of, if you're not familiar with this movie, if you hadn't already seen it, that's probably what you were expecting is just kind of like this shambling monster that's just yeah. coming at you all the time. And this movie isn't like that at all. It's not until uh, the mummy's hand, the mummy's tomb, the mummy's ghost, the mummy's curse, right. that you start getting that like the mummy dragging his leg coming after you the, really the, slowly. The corpse. But he still always seems to catch him, even with his disability. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's got he. The one thing I do like about this is you you see he has power in him, like just the way he yeah. does things, and there is power, but it's a limited amount of power. So he's not like completely strong or unstoppable for that matter. So I did like that that you know just with the gaze he could stop you. You know that was kind of cool. But just that, I mean, that, I, that Boris I mean the I mean the other star him. of this movie. I mean the other star of this movie is Jack Pierce. Yeah, his yes. makeup design. The makeup is yeah. fantastic. I mean, oh God, the, yeah. the 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 book Boris Karloff and the Mummy. They use like this really like dangerous. It's like cotton and um, glue, and they put it to his face, and the, and then the the bandages are individually wrapped around him. It, it took him up to eight to twelve hours just to be just to have wow. that one shot of him and as, as the Mummy. That's but that's the reason why, like, if you look at, especially on Blu-ray, when you when it, it even stands up on Blu-ray, when you look at it, it's like you see like the dirt in his face, yeah. and that's all. Yeah. that was all hand painted and everything. Wow, it totally oh. stands out. And when he has that one, uh, that one classic scene where he's got his his turban—I don't know what those things are called—the hat, uh, the fez, the fez, yeah. the fez. When he's got that one classic Boris Karloff, the dark-eyed look, where he just stares right. into the camera. You know, yeah. it's like so badass. It really is. But <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody else could have really carried the first one off. No, I, I think he was like, he did carry the weight of this movie and every yeah. scene well, was kind of so like, you're waiting. He's so an actor. Yeah. They did, did interviews about Sadie's a lovable, gentle soul. And then he just transforms into this evil, you know, pessimist. Even in these gangster movies, he even when, even like in, um, Oh God! What's the, the the one Howard Hawks did? Uh, the Criminal Code. He is so intimidating in that. Uh, every everything that he when he plays a villain, when he because it's it's strange because when you see him play like a kindly old man, you feel for him, and then when you see him play a villain, he is it's amazing. Right. He can turn it like a switch. He yeah. can go from being the kindly old gentleman that you feel sorry for as he's pleading, please don't destroy you know my life's work and. In uh, like the Columbia movies that came a couple years after, to you know, just this vicious badass uh, that just comes off so intimidating. He he really was a fantastic actor, um, despite how people you know kind of tried to write him off as just a horror guy. He's legitimately a great actor. 
I mean, look at him in Mar uh, Mario Bava's, uh, the Mario Bava film that he did, you know, where he oh, plays Black the warlock. I mean, oh you feel God, sorry for him, and, but, yeah, but yeah, he's he, but he's quite an evil character at the same time, so you're kind of torn watching him in that as well. Yeah. What yeah. is he, the Wendigo? What is he called in that? The uh, Warlock. Warlock. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Shanta, Keith brought up Mario Bava, not me. I know, that's what I was going to say. He said Mario Bava in Joe's defense. He did not say Mario I did not bring him up this time. Yeah. But, but but this movie just came up. I mean, this is perfectly timed to, to be received because just 10 years prior to that, um, Howard Carter had opened King Tut's tomb. And there was there was all that thing about the curse and the mummy's curse because people were dying. And, you know, and I mean, people were really feeding off that, you know, everything that was going on news newsworthy of that archaeological find back then well, too well when this movie opens up it is i think 1921 when the movie opens right and then yeah we go ahead 10 years right so. and then we and we get we get the british museum stealing everyone's artifact like of normal. course yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes they they do and they still do <laughs> well i mean if you want if you want to see something you should go when you go to if you ever come to london go to the british museum and you know in greece Amazing. you know the um the great big um Oh, temple. The out, the yeah, the outside of it. You know, where all the gods and stuff like that were outside the original temple. They got the pillars that's of that, Nebuchadnezzar in there too. I was going. I was in yeah, there. I go, what up? The museum stole criminals. all that. <laughs> They've got it's it all. all they there. stole it. The, the, cur the curse will come and get them. <laughs> the the New York City used to have a whole temple mm. in there too. They stole one too. So when you go to Athens, you can go, you can see the ruins. If you want to see what the ruins look like with the, the original the fixtures, you go marbles. to the British Museum. Yeah. They're in the British Museum. <laughs> the Elgin Marbles. They still never get those back. I don't think they're ever going to get those back. Yeah, uh, we got, I mean, we got the, we got some of the, we got the, some, most, some of the mummies as well in the British Museum as well. So I actually, uh, I transported some mummies back in my art handling days. I, oh, I don't really? remember. Uh, we didn't even know that until we had already shipped and delivered them because they didn't want us to know. <laughs> it was like part of cargo. You're like, yeah. wait, what is this? this yeah. Would people actually believe, like, it's it's weird. Would people in this day and age still believe that? Like, is that why they're not telling you that you're uh, just putting a mummy? People's lives today are so mundane and boring mm -hmm. that they just, I think a lot of them pretend to be shaken up by things just to seem interesting. Also it, could be, it also could be a fear of someone actually taking something because that's, that's that's valuable a corpse that, is, that a is, body is a valuable very yeah. valuable yeah that it's is true to somebody uh, and it's very I, it's, it's very poltergeist isn't it <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Is. i know i'm, you I'm very you i'm very the lucky but you left the bodies in reverse <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I've hauled I've hauled mummies before for museums. I've hauled the uh, the Gutenberg Bibles, like thir thirteen of the Gutenberg Bibles I've had in my possession before. I just, it was a great career. It really was, and now I'm glad it's over. But if you hauled all the mummies, what happened to the daddies? This <laughs> Sorry, well, there was a crazy archaeologist back then. His name was Belzani. And he never wanted to do anything proper with all these remains. And he knew that they used to, they used to wrap you know, expensive items in with the mummy as they went along, jewelry, this, this, and that. And he would pile up, I'm serious, all kinds of mummies and would jump into a pile of dead people to break it up so he could go through all of this stuff to, to steal all the gems and stuff out of. Jeez. So I'd oh say Egypt has been pilfered quite a bit. <laughs> 
It sounds like stage diving into the front row of a Def Leppard concert. It's pretty That's much good. that. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, um, it's quite, I mean, they do go into a little bit about what, you know, what they did for the final rights of the mummy as well, a little bit in the film. And that must have been quite shocking considering that, you know, you know, they bring, they put that corkscrew up the nostril and they twirl it around and bring the brains through the nose. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. That was in the yeah. opening, too. Is it, it, I would say also at one point, um, the mummy is literally the narrator at some point because he's kind of giving the backstory of, you know, I, which I thought was a brilliant sort of way of like telling that story when he's, you know, giving her the view into that pool and then the pool swirls and it takes her back to the past. I was like, that's cool that, you know, that you effect. Yeah, put yourself back when this film came out too, because I mean, that's yeah. where all the Indiana Jones movies kind of start out because it right. was a time when the world was still not really explored. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have all this mass transit. I mean, yeah. there was still a lot of mystery still then. That's what oh, they the break. When the remake came out, the internet wasn't really like it is today. So we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. we can get to that. And I, I, there's a lot to say about the Indiana Jones movies when we get to the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, another... Go ahead, I mean, I said another interesting this is the director is the cinematographer for Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, so that's why probably the why the film has such a decent look to it. And it does. I have to say, it does also doesn't feel too soundstagey either. This film, no, not at all. Not as bad no. as Dracula does. No, Dracula, mm. Dracula, I feel suffers from that more. But this one actually has more of a visual. I'm uh, still wanting to know why Dracula had armadillos in Transylvanian Castle. I might never get over that one <laughs> because, because it was an odd creature. So it was an odd, odd creature. So I'm sure they're I like know, that. Put that in there. I would have never noticed, but but my husband saw it, and it's just like those are armadillos, and I go, no shit. What are they doing in Transylvania? <laughs> Transylvania, Texas. Yeah, and I was gonna say, and then a Texan was like, "It's an armadillo." Armadillo. <laughs> I haven't hit. But one I mean, this probably year, just so writers back know. then didn't think, "Oh, what? Why would an armadillo?" They probably just thought, "Oh, it's an armadillo." They're all over the place. Well, they didn't yeah. think, "Oh, why would an armadillo be in?" Be in well, that's like Nosferatu. Didn't they use like a hyena for the wolf or something yeah. like that? Uh, I forgot what it was, but yeah, it was. Something like that, some some weird species. Well, I think it's exotic, right? So if people are not going to know, like again, no, now, nowadays you can Google and be like, "That's not native say, to the, the region." Was, the world was still kind of innocent back then, yeah. you know. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. To a degree, but still, a lot better is now. All except for the guy who was once again trying to get, <laughs> get the girl on the couch. Yeah, he was the only yeah. non-innocent person in 1932. Well, I, well, I mean, as far as Hollywood, that, that probably. That just, ever. I don't know, man. That just, I, I've done some pretty shysty shit over the years. To, and that was, uh, that's got to be in the top five right there. Look, I, like I said, I know you've been through a lot of personal trauma and there's mummies out to get you, but right. I'll be right back. Don't I'll move be right muscle. Back. Don't that's move right. muscle. I'll be Stay here. on the couch. I'll be right back. <laughs> You just rest. And, and I love that, you know, part of her response is, I got to get gussied up so that I can look good. <laughs> Please forgive me. I got to look good for you. That was definitely like a, a thunderbolt hit those two. That was probably the quickest I fell in love I've seen in any movie. Yeah. yeah just, here, here drink this drink and don't worry about the pill fizzing in the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of it is also because these movies were generally 
like 70 minutes so we gotta we gotta get right to it yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true that is true i think that's part of why like a lot of these movies have like these very fast romances because yeah why would you fall in love with somebody the day you met them like i i've been attracted to someone like the day i the day i'd meet her but never like i'm in love with you we need to spend the rest of eternity together i know it's more like it's, well it's more like oh my god i must have you now let's get it over with and go on your way but don't fall in love with them. <laughs> yeah i mean I um, your dad's in the next room but yeah exactly <laughs> that's true her father was literally in the next room <laughs> oh yeah he was the opening it? scene between the two of them i thought they were together at first because the way it made it sound i was like oh wait no wait, I, yeah. okay it's, because back then too a lot of older men had younger women as their as their wives so i was like oh i'm not i didn't but think we always it. said that about dark shadows because barnabas was older than all he was you know him and Mitch, mitchell ryan were always with the young girls yeah you know i guess that was just an accepted thing yeah. you know well to be cares. honest it, it's still like that today i, I mean have. When's the last time you saw Harrison Ford or Robert Redford or any of those old time actors with a wife his age? They're always yeah, like 20, yeah. 20, 30 years younger. Especially Leo yeah. DiCaprio. You got to be under 25 for him. That, that's that become is- a meme now. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a washed up nobody author and my wife is 17 years younger than me. Okay. so <laughs> I, I joked with a, with a 23 year old uh, well, on her 23rd birthday, a girl at work. I was like, two, two more years, you're going to be too old to get Leo DiCaprio. So you I know. <laughs> He's never going to live that one down, is he? <laughs> No, man, I'm I'm pushing 50. My wife turns 32 next week. It's crazy. I can't say anything. My other half's 25 years younger than I am. Oh, so dude. <laughs> dude, it's it's kind of hard keeping up sometimes. I'll rob in the cradle. Well, so, hey, if we don't, got, somebody else will. Change our diapers in a couple of years' time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what I'm scared to death is is when I when I reach that you know. Uh, uh, um, you know, old man from Willy Wonka thing going on where I stay in bed all the time. I can't imagine that. Oh she's my God, you're not around. decrepit. You're not that <laughs> much older, y'all. Jeez. <laughs> no, y'all got one foot no, in the no. grave right now. But but but, the, but there is that thing like in 20, 30 years time when your partner is like you're quite hip and happening with them, and then all of a sudden your partner turns into Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, so it didn't grow up much, not far from where I am right now. I mean, was also, Mahia, my, was Mahia, right? Right, Chad? Mahia? Mahia? Yeah, that's where Anna Nicole Smith grew up. I believe so. Yeah, it it's, not, it's not yeah. too far, too far from here. Yeah. No, she, she had a very, very kind of mid sized Texas town thing going on with the big hair and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I mean, I thought that, I mean, I guess the mummy, I guess probably what keeps it alive basically is, you know, the whole the love story behind it, that love is timeless. I mean, it's pretty much what William Shakespeare's whole career is based on, isn't it? Right. Loveless, love is old as time and, you know, you know, I mean, it's even a- I, Angela Lansbury sang about it in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Tale is oh, old as Angela. time. <laughs> too Before soon, too soon. Oh, yeah. I loved her. I don't care. I don't. I mean, I don't feel poor Angela. She lived a very long life. Thank God, thank God she lived and died, you know, peacefully. It wasn't like she had a great life. The only thing that the only thing that pisses me off about her passing is, you know, of course, social media was immediately up in arms about it. 
but not a damn person talked about bed knobs and broomsticks. I did. I did. I posted, swear to God, I posted literally my favorite movie of hers. And I said, because the scene that I posted was her doing, um, she was doing the spell, um, locomotion. Yes. And so it's where she gives flair. And I was like, she definitely had magic and flair because she just was that... Type of I person. loved her with her old movies, her old Hollywood days with Victor oh. Mature, like in Samson and Delilah. She was in and stuff like that. The, the only bad thing about Angela Lansbury is that when she was like 16, she still looked 50. <laughs> I know. She, she did have a matronly kind of. Oh, yeah, do, of course. Do you know that? I mean, she, she played Elvis Presley's mother in Blue Hawaii, and Elvis Presley was eight years older than she was. The other thing is that I, I, nobody in the horror community brought this up, and they should have because if you, you, you know um, she's, to my knowledge, and I cannot think of any of anyone else. I think she's the first uh, actress to ever be nominated for for an Oscar for a horror movie uh, when she did oh. the picture of Dorian Gray. I don't think anybody precedes her in that. Really? Oh, that's right. She was the hapless quince that fell in love with them, and he was yeah, her. yeah. He buried Listen. her. No, he slept with her and deflowered her and just tossed her aside like an old shoe is what he did. And she and she could play a really good bitch if she wanted to. I mean, watch the Manchurian candidate. Oh yes. yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. What a cow. Or oh, and what and what about um Neil Jordan's The Company of Wolves as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, she's the original Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd. Yes. Was yeah. she was she the original? Yep, the original cast production. That. Bridge on Broadway, yeah. She worked Which, right up until whenever, didn't she? she uh, yeah. I don't think she was like totally bedridden or anything. No, she did. Uh, she did something two years ago, um, on Broadway. She did like a little stent thing, but she, yeah, she was active, very active. Same, well, same as even... like Betty White. Like she lit. Right. She worked up until when she stopped working and people were like, "Uh Oh, something's wrong. Cause it was literally like, there was a year of silence from her. Yeah. And I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, well, she's the original Mame as well. And no one, and she, she's like, she's to Mame is what Barbara Streisand is. The funny girl basically is like, no one can ever do that role right. ever again because she's like yeah, the ultimate person. So yeah. Good. And, old. Uh, and I was like, note, according to John Waters, he ran into her in a sex club in the eighties. So that means in her fifties and sixties, she, she was still out there being a freak. According to John Waters. Bless her. Yeah. Well, We're not dead yet. I mean, I, well, fifties I mean, is when you're certain to get your second win. What are you talking I know, about? It's just like, I, was, I used to think when I was my daughter's age, well, fifties going to be decrepit. Now it's just like, what the fuck is everybody talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, they did a, they did, they did a show um, when she passed on BBC News here. They, they, within Memorial, they had people talking about her, and they said that the one thing about her, like Julie Andrews, they talk like sailors. Oh yeah, I can yeah. picture it too. So did Olivia De Havilland. She had a potty mouth that to end everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny around. because we we think of these women these women of being as being so prim and proper, but they were like Phyllis Diller. They also play very much. matronly type roles. An au pair. <laughs> like, what are you going to think an au pair is going to be like? Super yeah. califragilistic espiala fuck this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 uh, so, 
Does anyone want to mention anything more about the mummy before we move on to the 1999 film? Other than it was beautifully shot, and I it love was it. Beautifully I shot. It yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do want to mention Edward Van Sloan because he's basically he's playing again basically the same uh, the same part as when he was Van Helsing in Dracula. But he's he's in a lot of these movies during that time, and I feel like he never gets uh, he never gets the credit he deserves for um, for a lot of his performances. I mean, here he's basically playing almost exactly the same role as when he played Van Helsing. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I want to give him props because I, I really feel like he should be mentioned more. And he's just not for whatever reason. Yeah, no, he's brilliant. I like all his stuff as well. When uh, Those character actors, they always steal the films, don't they? They do. Yeah. They absolutely do. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at Country Code 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. I mean, I well, this brings to, us to The Mummy, which is a 1999 American action-adventure fantasy film written and directed by Stephen Sumner. It is a remake of the 1932 film of the same name, starring Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, John Hanna, and Arnold Vuzlu. In the title role is the reanimated mummy. The film follows adventurer Rick O'Connell as he travels to Hammy, <coughs> the city of the dead. Hamanatra. Hamanatra. With a library Kama and her Sutra. older brother, where they accidentally awaken. Imhotep, a cursed high priest with supernatural powers. Development of the film took years and multiple screenplays and directors attached in 1997. Stephen Sumner successfully pitched the version of the more adventurous and romantic take on the source material. Principal photography took place in Morocco and the United Kingdom. The crew endured dehydration, sandstorms, and snakes shooting on location in the Sahara Desert. Industrial light and magic provided many of the visual effects, blending live action footage and computer-generated imagery to create the titular monster. Jerry Goldsmith provided the orchestrated score. The Mummy was theoretically released on the May 7th, 1999. Despite mixed reviews from critics, it was a commercial success and grossed over $416.4 million worldwide against a production budget of $80 million. The film would spawn two direct sequels, The Mummy Returns and The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. It also led to spin-offs such as the animated series and a prequel to Scorpion King in 2002, which generated its own sequels, attempts to reboot the property, and kickstart a new media franchise led to, uh, to a 2017 film, which we'll never discuss. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Mummy from 1999 and be right back. Where did you get this? on a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something. 
there is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. They call it the doorway to hell. Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies. They sought to unlock its treasure. And then there was light. Oh, boy. What they did... Oh, my God. It does exist. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known. You must not read from the book! You have unleashed a creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead. We are in serious trouble. On May 7th... This one! But the occasion calls for it! Trust me! It calls for it! Universal Pictures invites you. This powers are growing. Run! This just keeps getting better and better. To experience the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. If he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. Go! Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing The Mummy from 1992. And starting with you, John, what are your thoughts on The Mummy from 1999? I have not seen this in a very long time. So I was watching it yesterday, and I was like, I, I love the adventure to it all, but there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for, for The Mummy to exist there. Because I was like literally going, okay. Yeah. Uh, so first they have to get the key and then they have to get the book and then they have to get the key with the book and then they have to like so there's a lot of things that have to happen like I don't know if you all kind of seen it that way but I was watching it going technically you know she's read... very Legend of Zelda yeah you literally <laughs> have to go on a quest to wake something really bad and and all of the stars have to align just take the instance okay when they're on the boat right and that boat goes down it goes ablaze if that key fell in the water, then there's no more movie. <laughs> like literally all these things had to like fall into place to be like, and now he's here. And that, that the other part was it took more than half the movie to get to where the mummy existed or was there. Right. It like kind of like got, it took a while to get to where then now the mummy is there and now it's, you know, he's unleashed. And now the plagues of the, the you know, the 10 are, plagues of Egypt, was yeah, like seven, but, but they said 10. But you know, obviously, uh, Brendan Fraser was very dream boaty, you know. Yes, he was. I love him in that. Oh my god, he's love me some Rachel Weiss. Like, I love me some Rachel Weiss, she's uh, one of my favorites. Um, and she's she plays that like strong, you know, heroine. She's a librarian. What to do? I'm a librarian, I'm a librarian, Um, a klutzy librarian, but a librarian, very smart, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But they all have a lot of chemistry, her brother. Her and and O'Connell. That was what I loved about it. But I mean, it's got horror. It's got comedy. It's got adventure. It's got mystery. It's got all. I mean, I mean, and they got the sexiest villain like ever. 
for a bald yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just something about it. And he's such a great villain. I just love watching him. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's, you know, they brought him back for that reason, too, right? Because oh, my God, like, he's, oh, he's you know. excellent in that. Just excellent. I, I keep, just, I, these are my favorite movies. They're just so much fun to watch, and they're funny. And Benny has to be my all-around favorite person. And, I mean, he's got the best one-liners. Your strength gives me strength. You know, he's a coward. He's yeah. a fiend. He's a yeah. fiend. He has no loyalty. But I mean, he's got all these one liars, liners, like he goes, I would tell you, but you'll just start hurting me again, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Or, or what does he say? He's like, my children, you don't have any children, but I might. I might. <laughs> I might someday. It's so cute. I mean, Do you know what they had to what? give them special insurance because they were worried about them getting uh, abducted in Morocco. And I've been there. <laughs> that can be a scary place. Wow. So I could see where they would do that with Brendan Fraser, especially. I well, found it quite weird with Kevin o Kevin J O'Connor though. I mean, I like his character, and it's not, you know, it's not about his character, but he was supposed to be like one of our greatest actors. I remember they were bouting around around when Peggy Sue got married when he they first were appeared. grooming him for it, and and then he kind of and then he becomes like this character, which he does the same character over and over. Like if you ever saw Deep Rising, yeah, he's that same character in Deep Rising with Treat Williams, fantastic film, with great little action, but. Yes, yeah, so I, I kind of wonder, like, when he did he turn into this? Because now we don't see him at all anymore. So I don't know what happened to him. He's, I think he just, he just come out with something, didn't he? Kevin Trill, I don't know. I'll, I'll look him up real quick. But yeah, Brendan he just Frazier, came, Brendan like, Fraser. Oh, uh, Brendan Fraser just came out with a new movie, which he's getting huge acclaims for, yeah. where he uh, gained a lot of weight. And he was also in Doom, Doom Patrol as well. Yeah. He was in that the series Doom Patrol. But you I, don't I, notice him because he's he's the ten guy in Doom Patrol. But I think, uh, but Keith was talking about Kevin J. O'Connor, not uh, oh sorry, not oh, Brendan Fraser. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look real quick and see if there's anything he's been well, in recent. Brendan Fraser's come back after having a breakdown as well. Yeah. He had a breakdown. Yeah, that's why he disappeared. And then there is, um, but I mean, he he did he did quite a series of films, didn't he, from around this time? There was George of the Jungle and. Yeah, school ties, be tasseled. Yeah, be dazzled is Bedazzled. probably my favorite film of his ever. Oh, with um, what's her name? Elizabeth oh Hurley. Elizabeth yes, Hurley. Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, the John devil. Hanna. John Hanna was great. He plays Evie's brother. I loved him oh, yeah. in the series Spartacus. He was he was uh Lucy Lawless' husband. Uh, <sighs> he was just fantastic in that. I always thought of him as a comedian. You know, doing. He he, he was, was coming off four weddings and a funeral. That's where he was coming off from when he got put in this film sort of thing. So Kevin J. Velasquez. Oh my God. If I was a girl, I'd hit that. She was beautiful. You Kevin J. O'Connor found himself in the direct-to-video realm uh, a lot late, or mm -hmm. the maybe the direct-to-streaming uh, realm now, like Exorcism at 60,000 feet, Flight of the Living Dead. Uh, so yeah, it looks like he's... <laughs> Sharknado around. Seven just around the corner, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's doing a lot of uh, wish, wish upon a unicorn, which I did not hear. Uh, which he's still working. He's just working in stuff we never hear about. I know of Exorcism at sixty thousand feet because that's uh, made by the people who made the uh, make the uh, Girls and Corpses magazine, uh, and that's uh, yeah, with Bill Mosley, Adrian Barbeau, Lance Henriksen, Bai Ling, so Kelly Maroney. So he's finding himself in those. Uh, um, yeah, the, no, like 
it was driving me crazy. The 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 guy that played the protector of the tribes that was helping, it was driving me nuts. I was like, I know I've seen him in something recently, and it's driving me crazy. He's been in a few other things. No, he's in the new Star Trek series, the the Discovery series, and I was like, oh my god, uh, you were the you're the ah. And so I was like, kind of like happy to be. Oh, like, dead yeah. bear. Oh, oh, oh dead bear. bear. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you say it. The interesting. The oh, interesting thing ahead. about that character is that it's actually what they did is they took the Imhotep and Ardeth Bay characters, which were both yeah. played by Karloff in the original. They split them into two characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they uh, they they did say that they borrowed a lot. A lot of this, they they I watched how they made the movie, and they did do a lot of stuff to give you know huge nods and love letters to the original Mummy. And especially they said they tried to really do that when Brendan Fraser's fighting all these mummies, some are CGI and some of them are real guys yeah. that they blended together. And they did take the stories that were kind of missing from the 1932 version and they put it into this. So then you do find out that these people were in love through the, 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 the centuries and they just wanted to find each other. And it does take back up in, in the sequel. Yeah, but they also like with this, it is a bit more you know the first one was losing someone you love and then trying to bring them back right this one is having an affair <laughs> cheating yeah. and uh, killing your husband then you, know, Saturday, you yeah. kill yourself and then you're you know you think oh I'll bring me back and then, i just oh, love how they did all the elaborate egyptian stuff because i love yeah. all that stuff yeah and, uh, I, I love how they actually they brought up stuff well seti was seti the first was no wimp for a pharaoh he was really a really a big deal I think it's, I think Ramses was his, uh, was it the second was, he's the Moses, supposedly Ramses Pharaoh. Yeah. They did a lot of that. I I cut Chad off earlier and I apologize. What were you going to say, Chad? No, I, I, I skipped this film when it first came out. I mean, this, this movie came out like what, a week, two weeks before the Phantom Menace. That's what they were worried about when it first came out. They thought that that they were not going to have a lot of viewership because the Phantom Menace. Oh, they yeah. they, and that's yeah, all. Yeah. That's all anybody cared about in May of 1999 was oh, the yeah. Phantom Menace. Well, and that was the first Star Wars in how long? Yeah. Like it was yeah. forever. But it was the same years. It was the same thing for the Matrix. The Matrix came out about that time as well. Yeah, you're and right. yeah. It wasn't yeah. until like I, I remember after I saw the Phantom Menace like for the thirteenth time, I'm like, okay, <laughs> they have these these new things called DVD players, and they're really expensive right now. I don't, oh, I, I don't you give can a rewatch shit. it. I'm I'm gonna go buy one just so I can have the Phantom Menace on DVD. And, and you didn't have to rewind it, was right. <laughs> and then the Phantom Menace didn't even come out on DVD until like two or three years later. It was released on VHS only when it was released. And here I had this really expensive paperweight sitting on top of my television for no reason. So I, I went to Suncoast Video. I don't know if anybody remembers those from the I remember it. Suncoast Video. And I bought, I just started buying DVDs and I bought The Matrix and I bought The Mummy because I, I just, I had to own everything on DVD at the time. You know, if you had an impressive D, I was in the army. So you had to impress people with something. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh i uh, i remember i remember when i finally put in the mummy and i'm like okay this is going to be like an indiana jones knockoff featuring encino man <laughs> and just oh man i just remember like like 10 minutes into it i was i was just 
like it was so like the comedy in a lot of, of parts were so subtle but it got such a great reaction and then yeah. the special effects and the the over the top adventure and i'm like wow this is this is the fourth indiana jones movie i didn't even know i wanted until <laughs> we got that fourth indiana jones movie and realizes we didn't want that either <laughs> if you went to the cinema to watch it like i did and i watched the second one at the theater too but i mean just the reaction from the audience they loved all the slapstick comedy it's just it's one of those it. movies i wished i'd seen in a theater but once again we were we were all saving our pennies for the for the big george lucas experience that's and, right uh, and yet it made 400 million dollars against an 80 million dollar budget so it was extremely yeah. successful right. yeah it was extremely the same successful. thing uh, last night I was like, "This is an Indiana Jones movie. This is this." I, I, I even I even joked to my roommate. I was like, "If anything, the make remake should have been Dracula and the Mummy from 1932, and then Raiders of the Lost Ark and this." Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this owes as much uh, to Indiana Jones movies and uh, just a lot of stuff from that time period that uh, as it does to the Mummy because it's it, it really it it took everything that had come out in the you know, 65 years from the mummy, anything that's set, that was set in a desert, it, it, it worked with it. It worked it in yeah. somehow. It kind of paid off. to give them a special drink concoction because they were all dehydrating and getting set because it really is blistering hot there. I can't yeah. imagine being out. Well, we took camel ride way, way out in the desert and I was blistering hot. So, I mean, it's hot. I can't imagine being, being in a movie and do working out. It's just freaking hot there and it's sand and dust and, you know, spiders and snakes and oh my, I mean, it's yeah. just full of creatures. It just is. So, I mean, I, I was a, it was a good place for them now, but it, I thought it was be, I just loved how, I just, the comedy's fun. I just like the romance and the comedy. And the it series. still holds up. up it's it almost does. been 25 years and it still holds up. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it has an awesome roller coaster at Universal Studios. Oh, <laughs> yes, I was on that. Did you, they make you lock up your stuff before you yeah. get on? Because it's, it's it just great. goes ding. Yeah, I love that freaking ride. It's just such a fun movie. It really, it yeah. really is. And when I was, I was watching it last night. I was watching it with my roommate, and, and I don't remember if I'd seen the whole thing all the way through. And he don't remember if he'd ever seen the whole thing all the way through. Right. And during the movie, he kept saying, "This is what I want in movies: this grand, epic adventure story." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's the thing with these beautiful sets built out, uh, built out somewhere." It's not all CGI nonsense. It's not all filmed on, on blue screens. It actually is. And it looks so much better. It looks amazing. And it, you, you actually kind of feel yourself kind of swept up in the adventure of this movie. And it, it's also you're, you're swept up in the period and the time, right? right. So I think yeah. it's there is that. Um, I was just watching Death of the Nile. I just love, love I love just the style and the way, yeah. you know, the way it just felt. And that's what I went rewatching it again. It was like people just kind of languish this, for old Hollywood type movies. Well, it's just like the way they dressed and the way, you know, every, the way everything kind of was in that sense, like the style to me just always pulls me in. Well, you did, like, if you, oh. especially if you watch it in the, in the theater, you do really, you do really just go into it. I mean, cause it's, yeah. it draws you in. And it's just so much fun. The second I one know. I just love a lot. I, I've I've tried to bring back uh, I've tried to bring back the fedora three times, and I get laughed at each time. So. <laughs> you gotta keep at it. No, Jen. you need People the safari to... hat. The safari hat. That's oh, the pith need. helmet. The, the pith, pith helmet. Yeah, the pith. That's what you need. 
but I think the thing is why, why Vicky says we kind of long for like, you know, I mean, this is now an older movie. Like Chad right. said, it's almost 25 years old. I think there's just like, it's the craftsmanship that goes into it. Whereas now everything's like, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter that the computer people are going to put it in later anyway. And I think it actually harms, uh, harms how movies are made. But it was it was made in a time when everybody was trying their damnedest to make it. I mean, look at the Matrix, yeah. look, look, and, and look at the Phantom Menace. Look at the groundbreaking CGI from the Phantom Menace and the Matrix. It all still holds up today. Yeah. But this was, I mean, granted, this had this had its CGI moments, yeah. but this was was mostly shot on either on location or on sound stages, and it's quite possibly the more beautiful of the three films that I just spoke about. I mean, yeah, right. well, even well, the, the, boat, the whole boat case. scene and where they're fighting and they're shooting and then she pulls them away and the, the bullets yeah, are coming bullet. through. It's, it just feels like you're part of the adventure. I think it's it also, it's a pacing of everything, right? It's not yes. so quick that all you're getting is a jumble in your face of like what's happening. Whereas like this, you get, you know, the, the, the part when they're jumping off the boat and he's like what do, what do we do and he's like i'll go get help and the guy's like oh crap and then he just like jumps over like all that pacing, yeah kind of the cool del delivery is everything that's what right. I'm, I'm trying to explain to the director on the film that i'm working on right now okay. like, delivery is You're on the wrong side everything yeah. I, I just i recently i rewatched this film recently for this appearance on this podcast and uh my wife sat and watched it with my, my child bride sat and oh. watched it with me. Uh, and it was her first time to see it. And, and this movie actually made a lasting impression on her. She wanted to watch it again the other night. Like, I just, I just remember, I just remember like, like 20 minutes before it, it's over. She's like curled up on the couch and she's like, my God, what else is going to happen to these people? And it, but it just, you got to watch the second one. The second, the second one is great too. too. I actually want to rewatch the second one. I love it because they've got a kid and everything. He's a little well, no, I also like that. You know, I love that they also bring more Imhotet in like, and it's her, you know, the second, the second one, uh, also, uh, well, it's not his first movie, but it's the movie that kind of made The Rock. Right. Yeah. To the point where they, they were like, he's so good in The Mummy Returns. We need to give him his own movie. But it's, yeah. it's, that, it's that one CGI shot of him at the end that brings me out of that entire oh, film. Yeah. Horrible. And I have never been Horrible. able. I've only saw it once. I've never been able to watch The, the Mummy Returns again yeah. because of that <laughs> one CGI shot. I, I like that it was it was like i get you want to it's transformative or whatever but like then then how do you go from that to then never mind we'll wash that away we'll make a movie all about the rock <laughs> i mean you know it, the scorpion it looked, king it looked like seth green had an action figure right. it look it looked like it was an episode of robot chicken it was great up until that. i wish they would have done something different with that I really yeah. do wish they, because I love the movie. I love the script. I like all everything about the second. I mean, one. they could change it today. George Lucas does it every five minutes. He, he realizes know. something. Well, not him anymore, but Disney now realizes something they don't like that George Lucas did in in I the know. original six films, and they'll change it. Yeah. And then they'll do upload, they? I didn't know that. Yes. If yeah. you watch the streaming versions, can they do the, that? They, oh, yeah, they, they can. own it. They can do whatever. Well, by the they way, want. they they before they sold it to Disney, they they George Lucas actually decided to do a lot of CGI fixing. Right. He wanted to update them and you know fix certain things that he didn't like about the other film. So that was a, that was Disney, more of a Lucas. Disney thing. has done it quite a bit. 
since yes. they've owned the the film the, the rights to Lucasfilm. They've they've uh, gone in and, and made little subtle changes to the original trilogy, the the prequels, yeah. and even their sequel trilogy. I, I think I want to say they even made some changes in Solo recently that that I noticed. And I mean, you know, they now th this isn't going to be on the Blu-rays that I own, but if I watch the streaming versions, whether that yeah. be on Disney Plus or Vudu, um, those subtle changes go into those versions. The question is: is are they are they is it the changes that that fans want, or is it? you know, they're like, because of whatever continuity reasons, like they want to, because I feel like sometimes it's like, yes, it's great. Fix it. And then there's some, you're like, why did you do that? Like, you know, Oh man, that we could do an entire pod. If we, if we ever do <laughs> on, a literary license podcast on the star Wars saga, Oh my God. A, a remake of a remake of the remake. <laughs> we would have to have a whole season for that. It would, it would have to be, it would like, okay, yeah. Chad, you're going to be on during the month of October. Yeah, my yeah. my big issue is that the the three original films in their original form are only on one DVD release, and it's four by three. It's not even widescreen, or maybe it is widescreen, but it's 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 not anamorphic. So it's it's just you just have the you know the little thing in the box, and yeah. that's really my main issue with uh, with them is that the the films in their original format. If you want to go back and watch them the way you watched them when you were a kid, we have an entire generation now that never saw those versions. I have, for all intents and I purposes. have two collections. I have two collections of those on VHS. And first yeah. of all, I, I would have to I'd have to track down a VCR and the other to get the actual original pre THX rewashes. I would have to take the plastic off of them because I have the original Star Wars trilogy still in plastic. Yeah, we have an yeah. entire generation that doesn't even know those exist, doesn't even know if there were any changes. Right. What, would be, Nobody... what, would be, what would be kind of interesting is with like this movie with the mummy, like the 90, 1999, it'd be kind of interesting if they do it in a chromatic or like a black and white. I would be curious oh, to see how this movie would translate that way because I feel like it would still hold up really strong. Like I think it would. Like, no, you know. Uh... There's a lot of films that have uh, I've seen like that recently. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the black and white version of the most recent Mad Max movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so good. Uh, I didn't know it was a black and white. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, a, there's a black and white. There's a black and white, and white yeah. cut. Yeah, it's in the extras on um, on the uh, the iTunes version, I think. And uh, Logan, the Hugh Jackman film, the last Wolverine film. I've watched it in black and white as well, and that is just amazing. Yeah, but uh, that's just an amazing movie. Period. Yeah, I, I, bo no, both absolutely. of those movies are. Mad Max yeah. Fury Road is too. Every every now and then around the corner from my house at the Texas Theater, they'll they'll play. They call it the uh, I think it's called the Blood and Chrome version of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and they'll they'll I play had the no black idea and white. That they that in black and white i love fury road yeah, yeah. no it, fury it, road was it, fantastic. it feels like a completely different film in black and white just there has to be a way to do this it out next year isn't it of that so uh furosa right yeah furosa are they actually are they almost done with that i didn't, I didn't realize they were almost done yeah i mean george i mean george miller's doing it but he works at his own pace so i mean he won't he won't release it until he's got it the way he wants it so 
See, that's a TV function that they have yet to give us. I want to be able to touch a button and turn things to black and white. I, I want to. I think you will be able to eventually, just the way things are going, to be able to actually do it on your. You can actually do it on your Blu-ray machine anyway. Can you do it? I know because like, yeah, like just, um, Rob just, Zombie. Just, Rob Zombie really needs to push for that because I need to see his Monsters movie in black and white. Maybe it would it would translate better. It would soften yeah. the blow of the uh, disappointment. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I, that, that that movie I didn't hate it as much as most people. I just feel like like Rob I think is in like his own insulated world, where like I can make jokes about the Universal monsters around Keith, around Vicky, around like a select group of people. It's just like there's a point where Herman makes a, a joke about Maury Chevalier, and I'm like, who the fuck in 2022 <laughs> you get a joke about maurice chevalier it, it's like a no joke like when you watch like <laughs> i would watch a golden girls when it you know later like and there'd be people mentioned like, who the hell are, who is that person and eventually if you know who the person is the joke is funny but if you don't know who it is like and even and so now i learned a lot of the humor and the jokes and the people but i have younger you know people watching golden girls going who is Gloria Alwyn? <laughs> like, who, who is that? Like, what? Why is that funny? And why? I, okay. I really love the dynamic between Rob and Sherry and what, what they do with their films. I know there's so many people that just. I, I, love, I love it too. I've, I've got yeah. one of those Rob Zombie you know haters. Say what you will about the guy. He's making the movies he wants to make. Right. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. And that's, there's something to that that, that, that that's that's endearing. What, I mean, look like House of Thousand Corpses and stuff like that. Those are all fantastic films. I don't care who's. I, I love his films. Absolutely. I don't care. The, uh, thing, well, the thing about the monsters I, is that's made for someone like me who's one of these old school monster kids that's sitting there building an Aurora model kit when he's, you know, like, well, in the 90s. Like, I wasn't around in the 60s. But in the 90s, I was buying all those uh, those re-released Aurora model kits. And I'm the one who's building those. And I'm buying the old back issues of Famous Monsters of the Filmland. But who is doing that in 2022 besides psychos like me? I feel <laughs> right. like with the with the, with the monsters, maybe I think what also throws me off is, like, the way it is written, the humor that's written in it was also developed with a laugh track. Right. Yeah. It was because, and then, then oh. you're like, ah, like, and then you're kind of like, oh, I should be laughing right now. Like, right. yeah, it's kind of funny. I don't know. But, but, you know? but, I, but I also think you need to remember that one of the hardest things to film and to write is comedy. Yeah. And obviously Rob Zombie is not a comedy writer. No, no. He's a no. massively brilliant horror writer no 100 well he's Lord, not Lord a massive great horror writer I mean, either. I mean, he's a he's no i mean if, if he, i mean he, he's he's good at filming and he's good at what filming, he does i'm not taking anything away from that i'm not talking about but, a script. but I, 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 I would about never i would never want to see a rob zombie script written um directed by anyone else no, yeah, you know, no. correct you know no, i mean no. he's good at what he does and you know that his niche and that but i mean you know him and being a comedy writer it's really hard to write comedy and yeah. not many people can do it only a very select few can and, and this I is mean, where he needs to hit me up rob if you're listening um you can <laughs> like i got me. you yeah yeah uh, I, I, I love i love lords of salem it goes into my my annual, lords of salem. my annual yes. uh rotation for halloween film i just need to know where yeah. i could get one of those albums right I, I, I also I like Lords of Salem because it reminded me of like Blood on Satan's Claw and a lot of those movies. And that's the thing with with a lot of Rob's horror movies is that he's kind of paying tribute to other movies. And that, I think you're right. I, 
I feel like the more you know about older horror movies, the more you can appreciate Rob Zombie stuff because the guy's biggest hit is a song about the, the fucking monster's car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so this is a guy like when I when I opened up the uh um the the liner notes for Hellbilly Deluxe, I was like in heaven because I'm like, oh my god, this looks like the old monster magazines that uh that, that I collect and I love looking at. And I feel like that's kind of goes into the appreciation of Rob is understanding that and liking that stuff. If you like the old Betty Page pinups and you get what he's going for with, with his right. wife, yeah. you know, yeah, that's it's made for a very specific niche that I don't re, I don't think he realizes is not the general population. Well, but I think this it's like right, you said. I think right. maybe he just didn't care and he was like, you know, I'm going to make this for these fans because I was a fan. So it's it's my gift maybe. to them. It's my gift to like you right. get that right. And and it's like so, like someone making something that is literally, you know, like I'm a huge Zelda fan, gaming Zelda fan. And like if you make something and it literally hits that sweet spot, everyone else might be like, this is crap. Like I don't get it. But if it really hits that sweet spot for me that I know that I'm such a loyal fan, then he then he did his job. Like he exactly. did his job. Like he it's, did exactly it's the what Rob he Zombie version of a family film. And yeah. and yeah, no, he he nailed that. Unfortunately, uh social media is uh... <laughs> did not man, social media is a cruel, vile they place, are. not for the faint of art. No, the they, thing they, is it's it, yeah. It's not for, not every movie is made for everyone. And I, um, and that's, that's one thing that I wish like the bigger studios would understand when they try to make a movie and then they, they start plucking things out. Cause this isn't going to go well in this market. Yeah. This isn't going to go well in this market. This is going to. I don't even, I don't even think it's though. that anymore. I have a friend who religiously goes by Rotten Tomatoes, like religiously. Oh, there's and no way. Rotten Tomato isn't always the everything of reviews. I think That's it's sort of like Snopes. I don't believe it's, that a, it's a cumulative uh, nature of like people coming together to talk about something and saying if it worked or didn't work. And I've seen things like I told my friend, I've seen things that I love and right. they tr they trash it or people review it and trash it. And it's like, that's your opinion, could, not I mine. I couldn't go yeah. by Rotten Tomatoes. I'd never watch anything. The th yeah. the no, thing, absolutely. The thing yeah. about Rotten Tomatoes that I think people people misunderstand about it is they'll look at a rating and be like, oh, it has a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't mean that like 96% of the movie is good. That means 96% of critics liked it. Of the populace. That, yeah, of that yeah, populace. That's yeah, all that correct. means. So yeah. 96 on Rotten Tomatoes just means, nine. you know, that's how many, that's the percentage of critics that liked it. It doesn't necessarily mean the movie itself is that good. Like for a while, Paddington 2 was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So people right. were like, is this the greatest movie ever made? I haven't no. seen it. I do want to see it because I, I heard it's great. But probably not. It's probably not the greatest movie ever made because 100% just means the critics that saw it, all of them liked it. Right. And they're not saying it's better than The Godfather. And I'll, you know? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll judge by that. Whichever has the least is usually how I'll, I'll judge that film. Uh, you know, my, my, my wife is an art student. Uh, you know, I, I like to call myself an artist from time to time. And we all know that art is subjective. And yeah. when you see those really low Rotten Tomato scores, I mean, she and I both are like, oh, yeah, this is going to be freaking brilliant. Like, have, you seen, have you seen the Pastor? The Velocipaster is amazing. I don't care. Wait, the Velocipaster? The Velocipaster. Oh, yeah, you haven't heard that one? It's... No. Check out the trailer. Oh the my god, I don't know. Faster, like Velociraptor, but, yes. but he's a yes. it's a pastor. Like it's a pastor. Yes. 
Yes, I had a uh, I had a table across from the director at Texas Frightmare Weekend 2019, and uh, I I just it it is very self aware, and that's the best thing about it is it it knows that it is a nightmare of a film, and that's fine because they okay, just got 2017 they, the Velocipaster. They that, just got crowdfunding. Yay! They just got crowdfunding <laughs> for a second film. They just got crowdfunding for a sequel. So I'm super stoked about. It. I mean, literally the first the first review. Right this is the best thing that I've witnessed ever witnessed. <laughs> the acting is impeccable. Okay, wow. The Velocipaster. Uh, okay. Check it's out the, the trailer. Velocipaster, right? That is Don't the one. Don't judge a film by the name, huh? Oh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. it, yeah. Huh. This movie is exactly what it says it's going to be. Yes. <laughs> I love, I bet, it says by the right way, here, that's it. it says, yes, this is a real movie, and yes, it's about a dinosaur priest. <laughs> I can't. Yes. Uh, I mean, going back to the films, obviously, that's what works for The Mummy, too. You're getting exactly what you're paid for. <laughs> Literally, you're getting, you're getting that adventure, the style, you're getting the 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 nods to the past because there were lines which I, I was trying to I should have wrote some of them down down but there were specific lines that they pulled from the 1932 film which was I love that because if you saw that you would be like wow that was a nice little nod that you gave they deliberately them. did that because yeah. the man had a total love well, <laughs> yeah. well I think I think what you have here and this is the way when you do a make to remake situation is that you know, and you can't be Tim Burton, who's a, who fucking lies about everything anyway. I mean, he's one of the biggest liars <laughs> Make it in up. history. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he's kind of person who goes, oh, I love the source material and does a movie. And it's like a total bastardization of the source material mm -hmm. where you can tell that Stephen Sumner is a, a love of universal horror. Yes. And that love comes through in his remake. And that's and that's what you need when you're making a remake is that you need to have the love for the source material. And yeah, you can, you know, you can update it or whatever, but you got to have that love to begin with. Yeah. You know, you know, it's been like, you know, when I say that, it's like, you know, when I say Tim Burton is one of the biggest fucking liars of the world, I love Planet of the Apes and he's his Planet of the Apes movie. I love Dark Shadows and you see his Dark Shadows. Oh, I love Willy Wonka and you look at his child molesting um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> yeah, and the he, creepy. He, yeah. Uh -huh. Jesus Christ, and, did you see Dumbo? Oh my God. God. There's yeah. a scene where Danny DeVito stands up in a bathtub and I was like, my God, is that what I look like when I'm naked? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Oh, he was even but, more unattractive as the penguin. Oh my god, uh, what a revolting human being he was in that movie. Right. It's like, I mean, that's he plays a great part, but it's like you're looking at you can't help but look at him and go, where does his ass begin and end? Yeah. I mean just, <laughs> I've been looking at discussing Dan DeVito every season and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I love that show. He's he's showing you his full moon in Philadelphia. Oh sunny Philadelphia. He he's never looked as more vile than in that whole series. He's brilliant in it. <laughs> I think he knows he can pull off vile, and that's why he excels at it so much because that is kind of like his deal. It it has to be the sense of humor, man. Because I I know I'm a hideous chud. I don't know how four women have decided to marry me. I I just I don't. Know. <laughs> And it, I, you know, the other three, uh, you know, they're 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 gone, and there has uh, to be a reason. And I'm thinking it might be because I have a Danny DeVito ass. <laughs> I don't think you look bad like that, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and a thing that I find funny about the Mummy in memory, and I'm rewatching it, is that for some reason Arnold Vuzlu 
for every time I think of him, I think of The Rock. For some reason, I always think it's The Rock. And then when I see it, it's like, oh, it's not The Rock. It's him. It's this guy here. <laughs> but in my mind's eye, it's always The Rock playing that character. I don't know why it is. And then when I, I rewatch it, it's like, oh, it's not The Rock. It's him. Baldness, maybe. I, I kept thinking he was Billy Zane. Like, I kept looking at oh, Billy yeah, Zane. Oh, yeah, he does look like Billy Zane, yeah. <laughs> but didn't Billy Zane play a bald-headed person in a film? He did, that's well, what we were saying. Yeah, it was, um, what was it? Was it in uh, the Demon, uh, Knight. Demon Knight? Yeah, he the does yeah. like Billy movie. Zane. He doesn't yeah. have that before. Yeah, on the Phantom, the Phantom came out around the same time as this, didn't it? The, right. I recently saw that for the first time, and I actually really like it. Phantom came out in 96. Uh, the Phantom and Titanic. He was in Titanic, too. Wait, 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 wait. That was 97. No. Wasn't the Phantom Alec Baldwin? And he was... No, he, Alec Baldwin Billy, was... Billy Zane, Billy Zane was the... No, Bill, um, Baldwin was in The Shadow. The Shadow. Okay, I, I got him confused. I saw yeah. both of them recently, and I, I really enjoyed both. Is yeah, that, is that the, but, but some of those films are better on repeat viewing i mean there's another film that kind of flopped around the same time called the rocketeer as well which is actually oh, yeah. the rocketeer yeah but uh, it, it flopped when it came out i mean it wasn't you know unfortunately was like the box offices off the obviously kill some of the films like it kind of just goes straight to straight to dvd <laughs> like you know mm -hmm. they literally just go you know right in and out well, another thing is, you know, so it depends on audiences are looking for around that time as well. I mean, The Phantom will end up being a better film than what you remember it to be. And The Shadow, yeah. same thing. And then and you get something like Dick Tracy, which basically doesn't really hold up. It wasn't that, you know, it did very well, but it doesn't actually hold up. You know, it's yeah. kind of weird when he... You don't feel it holds up. I watched it, uh, I rewatched it a couple of years ago and I, I, I felt, I still love it. I don't know. It could just be nostalgia what? though. What Dick Tracy? Yeah, Dick Tracy. Yeah, was maybe Madonna, it was just that, that Dick Tracy, Madonna, Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah Madonna, 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 Baby, yeah. Moore, no, Baby. William Forsyth, yeah. everybody. Uh, Al, Pacino, <laughs> Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Mm -hmm. War Warren called in all his favors. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's just very. It's, it's it's watchable, but it doesn't live up to the pinnacle that you think it. You know, at the time, I remember going and seeing it at times like, oh, I enjoyed this. And then trying to watch it again, it's like, it's okay. I can, if it's on Sunday afternoon, if it's on the background, I'll watch it. But I, I prefer Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, that was like one of my favorites when I was a kid, too. Like, the, the animation. <laughs> Roger Rabbit definitely holds up a lot better yeah. than <laughs> Well, I mean, we're, doing Who Framed, we're doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit next season for our book to screen. Yay. It's based on a book. There's, so, there's a lot of the film community now, though, that it, it looks like that they're beginning to avoid a lot of the big blockbusters and, and they're going more towards, I guess, the popularity of the indie films. Yeah. Like, I remember that, that seems to be the, the, the way things are looking. I have noticed that. Too. I, re I remember uh, my wife dragging me kicking and screaming to a okay. film this year called everything everywhere all at once and it oh, was yeah. the greatest thing that i had ever <laughs> seen so in good. my entire life it's so, so good um i yeah, think that just... they're also just looking for something different right and the the problem is like now it's like the reverse the reverse of an indie becoming mainstream so they're redoing right. the film of what's the one with the kids whose mom's wrapped up Oh, oh good, uh, good night, 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 mommy. But they're redoing the the movie, and I'm like, mm, 
the original was like, just movie. leave it alone. The movie yeah, is fine. It's out, it's, it's, out, it's out now. It's yeah. out now on, on Amazon. Probably. Yeah, I but I'm like, have you, has anybody watched it yet? Did you watch it, Keith? No. Um, I haven't. I've seen the trailer and it looks like a shot for shot remake. It kind of reminds me of Funny Games and then the American version of Funny Games, which is shot for shot. Yeah. So it's kind of, it looks a bit like that. I haven't seen it though, to be and fair, then, but it does and, look like a shot for shot film. And they're also redoing, or they have a series that's out, uh, um, Let the Right Ones In. Let the Right oh, Ones yeah. In. Yes. So that's they're, cool, re- but they cool. did the series, and I'm like curious about how this series, but it's, it's good. I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, I'm enjoying it. Are you it like so far. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not the it's not the movie. It's not a, a TV version of the movie. It's, it's a different nothing story. to do with the movie at all. It's just something totally different. It's it's got similar themes and it's a bit more gory than the yeah. movie, but but the the theme is similar. There's no pedophilia in it or anything like that. But um but it it's good actually. It it works on its own merit. It's not, you know, none of the characters are from the, the American version or the Swedish version or the book. It's kind of like that's so. cool. I but I found that's what's interesting now. Is there's a lot of remake of like indie, <laughs> like a remake. Oh, we're gonna remake this indie film. Like you know, it's kind of like that time when Ringu well, came out, and then The Ring, and then it's like you know, The Grudge, The Grudge. Well, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, of that. but that's be- that's because Americans fail to watch subtitles on our overall structure. <laughs> They're like, we no, can't. it's true. It's got you know, it's, yeah. it's got on its truth. It's like. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, here in England, it's like everyone over here is like, oh, God, America's going to make a remake. Can't they read? And that's what, right. that's what they say. Ah. Can't they read? No, they, they no most of them can't. So just, you know, <laughs> it's funny because when I went when I went on Shutter and I looked up, uh, I looked up the Argento movie Dark Glasses, like half the complaints are that the film is subtitled. Yeah. It doesn't bother exactly. me. I've got to be in a mood for subtitles. If I'm really tired, I can't get through a subtitle movie because I have yeah. to pay attention. And that's yeah. why that's why a lot of people skipped on Shin Godzilla because you know it's Yeah, and, that and was all subtitled. Yeah. You, you have you you have to watch it in subtitles and it's it's like the superior film to like the the most recent Godzilla films that have that have come out. Uh it's just well, I mean the- I mean, a bit, I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, if you don't like subtitles, I mean, Netflix, you have subtitled or you can watch it, the dub version. And most of the time, the dub version is halfway decent. Sometimes the dub's really bad, though. So. Sometimes yeah. the dub. What was it we were saying that was really badly dubbed? It was a great Go- Godzilla. The original Godzilla is a the original. Really bad oh, my God. <laughs> really badly dubbed. But if you do watch the, 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 the undubbed one with the, the captions, whole different experience right yeah i yeah. that's what that's one of the films i thought okay well i'll watch i'll watch this um dub version because it'll be easier about five ten minutes into it I was like I, i'm gonna have to i'm just gonna read it i'm gonna yeah. have to watch stuff <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll do it well that I'm on, was I'm just on a like quest. that was just like what was it a uh, uh, battle royale i had to watch the dub because i could not deal not the dub or the the caption versions i couldn't stand the, the the voices that they used for the, the kids in Battle Royale. And I love that movie. And it's, it was making me crazy with the voices just did not match the character. And maybe I'm not. Tr- I'm trying my best to find like a uh, subtitled version of Brotherhood of the Wolf. I, I can't find anything except the dubbed. And I, I mean, and it's not it's not a bad dub. It's just that I'm a purist, and I I want to watch it in the original language. Buy a, Europe, buy a European version of it. Of, I think of I will have to do that if I can. DVD. I'm, if I can, if I can find uh, one or, or a uh, Blu-ray player that'll play the uh, the encoding. 
Um, for, you can get a good Blu-ray player. player yeah. No, you can get a multi-region Blu-ray player now for about a hundred pounds, a hundred dollars on Amazon. There's some on Amazon that are like $60, 70 dollars. I don't know how good they are. So, I've yet to buy one myself. But I just I just had to buy a new a new Blu-ray player because my multi one kind of went up. So I bought a new one. I got one for a hundred quid. It was easy. No, that wasn't bad. And they're very small now as well. They're only about this big. No, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 not. Remember bad. the big VC, VCRs were like this. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. top loading, <laughs> top and loading, like, and oh, just, my oh my god! I used to make I used to make so much extra money with people in their VCRs by by programming them for them. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! All the stations and for them. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, you had to program on that, didn't you, in the day? And like, no, and no one could program them. It seemed like everyone didn't know how to program them. It's like it was pretty easy, but you know, you put you put your air to it, and then you have to go like each channel, and like move that little dial. Yeah. <laughs> or remember when you had to record from beta to VHS, so you'd have the yes. two, and like, yeah. Oh, well, man. All, you, all you youngins listening, yeah. yes, that was our lives before. We had to record freaking everything. Now <laughs> you could just, oh, I'm going to go on Google. Show. Where can I watch, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then you had to think between Blu-ray and HD DVD. And oh, Blu-ray yeah. One. And yeah. what, what was the big, the big disc, the laser? Laser uh, disc. Laser laser disc. disc. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. That's sort of like people now, everybody has discovered albums. It's just yeah. like, look what I have found. It's like, no shit. <laughs> you know, so I have album. to sit there and say that the laser disc versions of a lot of movies are better than the Blu-ray and the, the extras that they had on yes. were a lot better than what you're getting on Blu-ray and um, DVD today. They, some of the extra, right. some oh, of the extras really? on the extras. Blu-rays now, Blu-rays now, you aren't getting shit as far as extras. No, like like no. I remember like like I have all these old Warner gangster movies from the 30s up on my shelf over here, and when I throw one of those in, you have the movie, you have a Warner cartoon from that year, you have uh, a documentary, wow. uh, you know Martin Scorsese talking to a bunch of film historians about that why the this laser disc. But by important. the way, no, that's, that's a that's a DVD. lot of uh, that's a lot of production costs to build an interface into each DVD with all of that. So yeah, I think now they're like you're getting the movie. That's it. <laughs> that's yeah. all. I was like, if I if I pick out any one of these movies on DVD, it'll be you know a Warner cartoon from that year, a Warner short from that year, a documentary hosted by Martin Scorsese and a bunch of people, mm-hmm. and uh, you get this extra, this extra, this extra, fourteen ninety nine. Now it's thirty nine ninety nine. Fuck you, you got the movie. What else do you want from me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I got absolutely. I, they gave me some postcards in my copy of Necromandic. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they finally they finally just in the last uh, couple of months released pump up the volume on Blu-ray after that movie just it, it's not available on streaming anywhere. Yeah. And I, I tell podcasters all the time. I'm like, have you ever seen the Christian Slater film pump up the volume? And they're like, no, what's that? And I'm like, stop recording your fucking podcast <laughs> because you owe everything to this film. And it, they just finally released it on Blu-ray after it being unavailable on any format Thank for you. almost a decade. And, and, re, and recently on DVD, on DVD-R from Warner Archives. So it wasn't even like a press DVD. It was right. like, hey, we'll burn you a copy. Ah, Seth Green. And that was back in 1990 when that was filmed, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, saw, I went oh, to the movie theaters God. and saw that when it came out. So I remember that. The, the, the girl who ended up playing Princess Daisy in Super Mario Brothers is in it too. Yes. I'm trying to remember her name. Yes, yes, yes. Penelope Ann Miller. 
I can't, I can't the remember one, her yeah, name. One second. Samantha, Samantha Ma Mathis. Samantha That's Mathis. The one. Samantha Mathis. That's it. It was the first time I ever found a girl with short hair attractive. It was <laughs> pump up the volume, Samantha Mathis. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I just, I just happened to get lucky because I've had a DVD copy of pump up the volume forever. And it's, I let someone borrow it and it came back scratched and it skips and it's just, stared at me from my movie shelf and i haven't ever. seen that so long now i'm gonna have to try to find well it's it's like on I it's on blu-ray it yeah. is on finally released on blu-ray but it's not on digital anywhere you can't even purchase it on voodoo or amazon prime or any of that shit you can't even rent it on amazon prime and that's what i that's why i keep telling people you got to go the physical media route because yes. eventually there's going to be movies that you just aren't going to be able to see all right. Yeah, well, it depends if someone You're doesn't right consume about it. That, Joe. If, if a studio right doesn't that. consume it, it won't. Yeah, it'll go to. Well, it might go to like a Tubi, or it might go to something where YouTube. It will fall YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. YouTube or Tubi. And by the way, fans will start to download films and put it on YouTube and be like, hey, piracy, you can "Video watch piracy it might be what saves a lot of movies now." Yeah. Crimewire's got all kinds of shit on it that I, I, I've never seen anywhere else. They got well, a huge catalog. Then you, you run into situations. You run into situations like Kevin Smith, though. Kevin Smith. Uh, can't release dogma or red state because it's all tied up in the harvey weinstein shit yeah oh yeah and and dogma well up until recently dogma was easily his best film now i think it's clerks three but um dogma was easily his best film and it's just out there in limbo if you're lucky enough right. to have a, a dvd copy of it from from its first run because it's, yeah, it's not do. streaming anywhere yeah, I got the DVD of it. Very well, vanilla DVD record uh, release as well. I mean, you look at Clarks and Chasing Amy, they had like these fantastic DVD right. productions where Dogwood came out looks like a vanilla, a vanilla disc. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. And and Red State as well, which is another great Kevin. Yeah, Smith I got Red, I got Red State as well. It's tight. It's, it's tied up in uh, the whole Weinstein thing. He can't do shit with it. Yeah, yeah. Harvey Pervert, great, great filmmaker <laughs> great producer great producer shitty human being <laughs> but you also cannot rape the willing well, <laughs> that is true uh, i mean as i look at it i forgive victor selva if he comes back and does another jeepers <laughs> please, creepers movie please please do something because that last jeepers creepers i thought it's like shit i didn't know he didn't i i didn't see it but my friend was like oh i see i see it's on there so he, this is the text i see it's on there i'm gonna begin watching it five minutes later yeah i'm not gonna continue watching it and i was like no not it's bad. nothing so, yeah, nothing doesn't even bad. come close yeah. doesn't even come close to Selva. you gotta bring victor selva back i'm sorry yeah he's the only person who can do it so one I mean, you get boys running around with their shirts off. It's so I know, big, I know. Big <laughs> <air movie. laughs> so, but um, yeah, I guess going back to the mummy. I mean, the thing is, is like um, Stephen Sumner. I mean, has he done anything recently? Because he kind of disappeared. He was quite popular for a while, and he then was, he kind of disappeared. Uh, Van Helsing bombed really badly and kind of killed his career. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. did. Well, I'm I mean, looking um, at what else he's done. He did the G.I. Joe movies. Uh, he did uh, the, the G.I. Joe book. movie bombed. Van Helsing bombed. Odd Thomas. Oh, uh, he did Odd Thomas. Odd Thomas was okay. 
Yeah, yeah, we liked it. I like we did we covered a lot Odd yeah, Thomas. So. We liked yeah, that Odd looks Thomas. like that's the last movie he directed was Odd Thomas. Yeah. Well, well, he's, lot of, he's, lot he's got like uh what if all of the Scorpion King four score I'm like, I didn't even know they had all these straight to video. He yeah, did that, Scorpion that King him. three, wasn't it? He was a producer. Yeah, he was a producer. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm looking now. Okay, I was looking. He did. At, he did two, three, four. He did all the uh, so straight to DVD type. You know, yeah, IMDb films. breaks it down by job. So I'm looking. At, I'm looking at director. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, directing wise, he did. Le- he had eleven. I mean, he did one of my all time favorite guilty pleasures. I got two guilty pleasures: as Del Toro's Mimic and Deep Rising. With I Treat love Williams Mimic. And oh Mimic my is God, Kevin I love Connor. Mimic is awesome. Mimic is fun. Oh. Mimic's so. one of those I wish it would do more films like that yeah. because I love. Well, I that think that of... somebody did make Mimic too, didn't they? I, I yeah, well, that was that was that straight four, DVD. There are four Mimic. There are four. Are they? Mimic I only films. watched the first one. I haven't seen any. Uh, that's all you need to see. It's a bit like <laughs> the prophecy with um, Christopher Walken. The first one's really good. The rest of them go right. slightly downhill. Or the yeah. Dust of Dawn series. <laughs> oh my god no oh my well, god well it's like it's like species species kept getting really bad too it was like what are you doing to this franchise this you, you gotta species. wonder why do, i have to ask though y'all know about the industry why do they keep putting it out there because it's like hellraiser the company has to make at least one movie they lose the right so they put out so what they do is they, they put a out script. a bunch of yeah well they get a script that has nothing to do with it and they turn it into part of the franchise so that way it keeps like it keeps halloween three season of the wit or whatever. no well, nothing like that no, at which all. is uh, the, the greatest films ever made no <laughs> i agree with that see, i love halloween three so do i yeah ha- no, no halloween three was um it was john it was john carpenter's idea along with cunningham that basically they would do like a different yeah, a theme. Hall- another yeah. movie at Halloween time, so it'll yeah. be like a different story each time. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't follow Michael Myers, so that's different. No, um, what they did with Dust Till Dawn and um, a lot of the Merrimack stuff or the Disney stuff, um, and they they own the rights to Hellraiser as well. Right. And what they would do is that if, if they didn't come out with something in every couple of years, that they would lose the rights. So they would yeah. do a direct video, quick out out. They wouldn't advertise that it came out oh, or anything like that. It wouldn't okay. go. It wasn't made for the theaters. Just so they could say, "Look, we're still doing something with this franchise, so it still belongs to us." Yeah. New line. Oh, new line okay. used to do it. New line did it a couple times as well. That's it's almost why, like um, it's almost like a patent, right? So if you don't use your patent or you don't have it, like that patent. So your patent to... is up. Well, your movie <clears throat> rights are up for grabs if you don't continue to it's use bit, it. Is well, that well, the, well, the source what, material. Like yeah. like Frank Man, like Frank Man. Cuso lost the rights to Friday the 13th because they weren't making anymore. And that's when New Lines right. picked it up. Okay. Um, another way, the Halloween franchise lost um, lost its rights as well. So they got picked up by another company. So that's why we have these new... That's the reason why if you get if you get like a Halloween... If you decide to get wait till this, this last one comes out on DVD, which is out now on Blu-ray, the right. new one um means that if you wanted to get the whole series like one all the way through they're probably going to have a bit of a difficult time with it because most of the films are owned by a different studio than these new ones yeah are. yeah oh i see okay some are universal some are um it's funny because even um even um scream did that because i went to watch the last one again and then i was like wait it was wait it was on hbo what happened i actually like the last scream it was great and we we went i went to i was like why is it on showtime my friend's like because it's under this not paramount and i was like oh my god 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why. So now it's well, pulled back well, over here because it's well, owned by- yeah. Well, Scream, Scream was Disney, which is Maribax, and then um, when the Weinstein stuff happened, they sold it to Paramount. So now, yeah. now it's on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Well, no, it's on. Uh, it's on. It it was on Paramount, but then it's also on Showtime because it was the studio that well, last produced the last Scream was well there. Showtime and Paramount are owned by the same company. Uh, I don't think in this are. country they are all all the Showtime yeah. stuff in this country is on because Showtime Plus right country. now is on Showtime anywhere, which is another umbrella with all of these other. Uh, okay. Yeah. Ah, we can't have nice things. <laughs> I know. God. Uh, by the way, I was talking. <laughs> Well, did they do that with the Hostel franchise too? Hostel franchise is different. Hostel one and two were independents, and they weren't owned. By, they weren't owned by a thingy. So when the third one was made, that was um, a company wanted to buy the franchise, the franchise. But because Hostel three went straight to video, didn't do very good. Right. It wasn't a very well made film, and people kind of torture porn. Kind of went at it. Kind of that ran is its the one that movie time. that actually makes me cringe and squeamish is, is the first hostel. The second one, I still have a hard time getting through it. It takes a lot, but there's well, the just something about the, the intensity. Well, the first hostel one and two is, um, is produced by Quentin Tarantino. Right. Right. And directed by and, Eli Roth. Yeah. And Eli Roth's first movie, Cabin the Fever team. was, was produced by David Lynch. That is just because, so hard to get, so hard to get. Because Eli Roth wow. used to work with David Lynch and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, God, I love the first Hostel. It's so badass. Then I'm Cabin Fever, Cabin Fever about- 2 got passed off to the dude who did X and Pearl. So I yeah. I have not watched Cabin Fever, but it is on my to watch list I because like I want to watch Cabin well, Fever too. Well, the new one, the new one or the second one? Uh, the, the second Cabin Fever. Is, first is one's the, one. the best one. Uh, what's what's his name? Ty Ty West. Ty West. West. The guy? Yeah, he's, if, he's the thing. The thing about Ty West is, is that if he writes it himself and he's totally invested, you'll get a good movie. If he's doing it as a director for hire, you can tell when his heart's not into it. Right. It's yeah. it's kind of kind of like a quarter point of attorney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's well, exactly right. For those of us who know what those are. But if you want if you want to <laughs> see Ty West at his best, watch House of the Devil, The Innkeepers. Yes, love yeah. I love the innkeepers I, I, is amazing. I, I love X. So yeah, I, I, just, I, gotta, I, gotta yeah, I love X. So I've got I recently uh, I recently purchased like his entire filmography on my Vudu, and I'm just I'm gonna sit and do that over the next couple of weeks. Is, is watch like his entire catalog because I I loved X and I really loved Pearl. I gotta um, see Pearl now. That'll I have to see Pearl. I've been G- wanting to ever since I've seen the trailer. Pearl like, was wow, fantastic. So It'll if, explain that whole geriatric scene that totally disrupted my if, life. <laughs> if, uh, if, me, if Mia Goth doesn't win oh some type of award for her performance in this film, we need to write I mean, it. Unfortunately, a I, lot of those types of films don't get the recognition that they, they do. It's, they really it, don't. I honestly feel there needs to be a version of an Academy Awards that is only for horror sci-fi the Saturn camp. awards like it's just you know no, that's awards. True. elevated that's you know the Saturn elevated. awards yeah the Saturn awards I mean Ty, Ty, Ty West is quite good the thing is though he the reason what's the reason why cabin fever suffers a bit is because basically it had studio interference with it oh, and right. so he wanted to take his name off it and they wouldn't yeah. let him but the thing with Ty West is that if he stays in the independent realm He'll get you'll get great films, and that's what he and that seems what he's doing now. He's now he's joined up with A24, so I think everything's gonna come out of there. But Sacrament's good, his westerns are very good film as well. 
and they made a Western. And, and if you like 70s movies and you have a kinship to 70s movies, 70s horror, 70s films in general, you're going to love Thai West films. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I, I went and saw X, uh, I mean, I just it was it was like uh, it was like watching uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre again for the first time just yeah, with a little bit I, bigger okay, budget. Now, I'll point this out. It looks like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the look of the film and the feel of it. The villain is named Pearl. And what was the name of the cinematographer on Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, I didn't know there was going to be a test. Daniel Pearl. <laughs> Daniel, Pearl. Daniel Pearl is the cinematographer of the Texas Chainsaw. Nice. Oh, it comes back around. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this was an accident at all. I think it was intentionally done that way. Yeah, uh, that's that's really. I mean, that's just. It's great. Um, I. It's another one of those movies that I plan on rewatching again in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so so much to do between now and the end of October. My calendar is just I, insane. I pre well, to be honest, the Blu-ray of Pearl, so I'm going to be watching it soon. Uh, what, what so damn good, man. So damn good. And and I I hate I hate to say it, like it's it, she is just man. It's so hard to describe her performance. I've I've never seen anything like it. She is so dedicated to that character, and it's just just. It's, it, have you ever watched a horror film that just grossed you out and turned you on at the same time? Or am I, <laughs> or am I just the weird show. one? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is very, very much one of those where it, it is just uh, just gore and, and sexualized at the same time. And was it Mia Goth played that part? Yes. Right? Yes. And like I said, she, she needs to win something. And if if everybody wants to throw in a five, we can go buy her something, and I will hand deliver it personally <laughs> to her. Uh, I'll Lisa bite that. Probably bullet. dig up her address. He's got everybody. So. <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny because when I saw X, I thought it, I thought X is more. It looked more like Deep Throat the way it was filmed. Oh yeah. Oh, I'll have to go back and watch Deep Throat again because it's been a really long time. <laughs> Any of you guys I have? I, I have that, and Debbie does Dallas on Blu-ray. Oh, oh God, I, Debbie does I Dallas. I don't know if I'd want to see Debbie does Dallas on Blu-ray. I, Debbie and her doubles. I saw Debbie does Dallas, the musical, which was fucking fantastic. <laughs> it was excellent in Edinburgh with, um, what's her name? Um, Blonde model woman. I can't think of her name now, but I have the program. But it was fantastic. It shouldn't work, but it worked on so many levels. It shouldn't work. You know. I've got to Even, see Barbarian yeah. too. There's so many films I want to see. Only on this show can you can you go from Boris Karloff and then <laughs> do ride, it all ride that arc all it's, the way to Debbie Does Dallas. It, it's kind of becoming just our forte at this point. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Karloff well, everybody does loves Kalamazoo. film so much. We get all excited about it. We just get to talking about everything. So. Oh, that, no, and that, that was one thing last week being in a film festival and I, I sat there uh, at the trauma booth and it, it's funny because I'm, I'm talking to Lloyd about Laurel and Hardy but then I'm talking to you know this person down here about a, about Joe D'Amato movies and she's like oh you know what movie I really love is Beyond the Darkness oh I love Beyond the Darkness best necrophilia horror movie ever like, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Lloyd and I are talking about, you know, talking about the, the you know, how great Stan Laurel was at, at, uh, at, at Pathos. And it was, it's just amazing. Just the, 
just where it all went. <laughs> and that's what the show's like. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also this is what we we bring up to you know, especially the the youngins who are listening to us. Know your history. Know your history. Absolutely. And you know, if you get bored with what's presently going on, take a dip in the past. You know. And watch, you know, movies like, you know, the, again, The Mummy. I'm really, really glad you picked this, Keith, because I'm, I can't believe I hadn't seen it. And I was like, and I'm going to be on my rewatch list from well, now on. Well, just the chemistry of all the actors is just, yeah. just unbelievable. It really is. The really popular thing right now is for like small cinemas to like replay you know i would love that these films from the 80s and 90s i've got a couple of them just around the corner from where i live and i i go there i ever if i'm going uh the the texas is is right around the corner from my house like a couple of blocks away and that's where lee harvey oswald was arrested i mean you know it's it's like famous and it's it's been completely uh renovated on the inside it's it's gorgeous and I, I go there like I have an Alamo draft house that's like a mile away from me too but I spend more time at the Texas theater watching the older films because the the draw of these older films these small cinemas will actually most like times Angelica. I wish there was more, more like it like the Angelica yeah, and all they'll, that. they'll bring somebody from the film who worked on the film or starred in the film to do like a Q&A yeah, uh, I've I've met so many people lately just going to see these older films, and I would love to see the Mummy on a big screen. And yeah, I, I, I we used to have a beautiful there theater. In there is one in Rockwall that's showing those. Uh, Joe sent me the link. I'll have to. Uh, oh well, Fathom Events is doing them all over the country because uh, next week um, uh, they're they're showing the creek the, the Saturday before Halloween. They're showing the creature from the Black Lagoon and the 1943 Phantom of the Opera. Oh, it's like 12 right. bucks to see both movies. It's There's playing one all in Rockwall. In so, Dallas. In yeah. Dallas. Rockwall in Dallas, Chad. Okay. All right. I I'm I'm so my, my schedule sucks right now. <laughs> I also wish I would just if you're gonna create that experience too, that um so the Zigfield used to be a theater here in New York and then they turned it into something but it used to be this amazing yes this would be this amazing theater and now it's like a banquet hall or i don't know are you serious they they turned it into like a banquet hall or something and i I, to me it's like these older theaters that were just you know like part of the experience of that like they were just treasure yeah so i'm I'm, i wish that they would you know consider that amc create a classic experience for people like create a amazing classic Please. type theater yeah. that'd be great it'd, it'd be fantastic if they would do it I mean, it would sell too there's a yeah. huge audience there's a huge audience for that and, and here, here's something else if you really love movies try to challenge yourself because like, it's so easy to sit there on the couch and go well, i'm just gonna watch raiders of the lost ark again yeah and it's so easy to fall into that and just watch the same movies over and over again challenge yourself try to watch something new i'm trying and it, it, with my work schedule it didn't always work out i'm trying to watch one new feature film every single day that i've never seen before i've been trying to do that all year and this year when i've been doing the horror hound watch list they you know they have a specific theme you know today's theme is this 
And it's easy to go, oh, watch a Frankenstein film. It's easy to throw in the 1931 version. But I was like, no, no, I got to find a Frankenstein movie that I haven't seen. Because I can yeah. sit there and watch a Karloff movie for the 10,000th time. But why don't I challenge myself to find something that I've never seen before? So I found like this <laughs> version where Randy Quaid played the monster, like a made yeah. for TV movie. Yeah. Challenge yourself to find the movies that you, one, normally wouldn't watch. And secondly, something that you haven't seen. Because it's just, like, there's a hundred plus years of cinema history and you're, we're never going to live long enough to watch everything. To watch everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. But challenge yourself well. to watch something you've never seen. I always, um, when I, especially if, as we review films, that there are things I have not seen, I literally, when I'm with my friends, I highly encourage him. You know, I know, because my friend is very forward thinking like, this is coming out and this is coming out and it's like, great. But like, have you seen this film? And I'll literally show him, you know, films that we review. And and he's like, no. And I'm like, well, you're an 80s horror fan. You should get, you know, get on it. Here it is. Here's where you can find it. Or I have it here, you know, watch it, you know. And um, it, it just, you know, behooves you, especially if you're huge fans of certain things to go back to history and go, oh, my God, that's where they got that from. Yeah. that's where they you know you know that first seed of in a conception came from and for some people that ruins the experience apparently because i remember telling uh uh talking to one person at my job about how you, you know watching i was watching the 60s german crime thriller and i was noticing all the similarities to warren Beatty's dick tracy yeah. And I remember somebody going, well, doesn't that ruin movies for you? I'm like, no. for me, he felt like for him, it would ruin, it would ruin Dick Tracy. And I was like, for me, it kind of, it was kind of cool because I'm kind of seeing. kind enhances the experience. Watch yeah, I'm yeah. seeing what Warren Beatty clearly saw that inspired this. And, so and isn't uh, imitation the highest form of flattery? So when you watch you know, something yeah. to me, I, I'm also like, wow, that was very cool of them to be able to put a nod and to, you know, to bring that back to the surface again, because, you know, especially as we, as we see certain things and certain shots and when we were, I think we did one time we did black Christmas and like, we were like talking about that film I and going like, movie. Oh my God, I cannot believe I've never seen this film. And now I see Halloween in a whole new light. And I'm like, Holy <laughs> shit. You like, see Halloween, like, oh my you God. See when a stranger calls. Yeah. There's when a, a stranger calls, like, Oh my God, yeah. you know, it's crazy. I mean, even in the first 15 minutes of When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. Watch the first 20 minutes at least, you know? Yeah. The first 20 minutes of When a Stranger Calls, I, I think are the best 20 minutes of that movie. But, exactly. <laughs> in I, my I, opinion. I, I, love the, I love the end of When a Stranger Calls as well, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we covered it. Spoiler alert. But when he, when, you know, he, he, she hears the voice and it's like, she, he's in bloody bed with her. Oh, yeah, I know. It's like, what the fuck? I know. I know. Well, what we're going to do now is let's um, rate Mummy from 1932 and the Mummy from 1999 and tell us what your preferences are on a scale of one to five. Which, which and which film do you find the better? Starting with you, Vicky, because this is your favorite part. I know, I hate <laughs> it. I hate it. I As Vicky's um, thinking, she's like, damn it. <laughs> I knew he was going to do it. He screws with me every so time. So how many stars I, I would you get out of, from him. So yeah, out of five stars? How many stars would you give the Mummy from 1932? I would give that five, definitely. I'd give it more than five if I could. 
And The Mummy from 1999, how many stars? I still give it five because I enjoyed both of them immensely. Is it? Yes, I, I would definitely take, it'd be hard to pick between the two, but if I pick between the two, I would take 1999 one because it has that, it has, it has that, it has, well, the other one kind of has romance, like in five minutes, but, but I mean, this one has adventure, it has slapstick comedy, it has, you know, beautiful scenery. I mean, just, it was just beautifully filmed as well. So it was the black and white one. So, but I would just definitely go with 1999 just because the humor in it. I really like Benny. Benny like gets big <laughs> thumbs up. Benny, my favorite character. Absolutely. And what about yourself, Joe? Um, I love both of them. Uh, the 1932 mummy, I'd say is three and a half to four stars. Just because I, I I feel like there are points where it is kind of stagey, like uh, like Todd Browning's Dracula. But it's missing scenes, though. I mean, maybe I I can't judge it on what I haven't seen. Um, it, Jim. <laughs> I, I I do I do love the movie, but I feel like it falls into that that yeah. place where at times it, it just becomes too you know too talky and not visual enough. I love that it's more visual than Dracula. So there's. Um, that, that's from a cinematographer uh, being the director. Um, the nineteen ninety nine Mummy. I think I. This is weird because I usually like the older versions more. I think I like the ninety nine Mummy more. I did because it's it's a combination of you know horror movies and like an Indiana Jones movie, like the, like the adventure epic of it. I I feel like the hundred and twenty four minutes of the ninety nine movie fly by quicker than the 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 75 minutes of the the 1932 movie and i feel like the 99 movie is a lot more engaging not to say the 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 carl front version isn't but the 99 version i think you could show that to anybody and they will like it the 32 is more of an acquired taste yeah um and like keith said you could feel the love that stephen summers uh had when he was making the mummy he loves these movies and uh in fact he when universal released all these the originals on dvd it was always stephen summers uh doing his little his little introduction of them uh when they did the box sets in like the mid 2000s uh when when, uh, van helsing came out so stephen summers i love what the guy tried to do for classic horror i love both movies but i gotta i gotta go with summers on this one it's, it's, it's visual, but the visuals are It's great. a lot more visual. Like, I mean, not, again, not to say the Karloff version isn't. It's, I just feel like this one is a lot more engaging. And I'm usually the person who's going to go, no, I like That's the fun. older version better. It's a lot of fun. And what about yourself, John? Um, I would have to say that the 1932 version, I would give it about four, four and a half. Um, I liked a lot about it. I, I think the smaller things that I didn't like are just nuanced things, but I do like that the motivation from the start, it's very, you know, again, the Pandora's box, you open the Pandora's box and you unleash something. And then, then, so, you know, hell, hell and fury. Um, I think if you're going for the whole blockbuster, the 1996, I still give it about a four, four and a half. Um, but it's, I definitely liked the 1932 from the simplicity of the story. It's very straightforward beginning to end and, you know, bad guys loses. And then, you know, it, and it's over. And when I say it's over, it's like, you see the skull, the mummy and it's done. <laughs> like, you know, and, and this 
the Hollywood, if you're going for the big, huge Hollywood blockbuster in 1996, it's great, but there's a lot of things that have to happen. And it, like, I, I found it was a little bit, um, I think it's, I've watched too many movies. I started to uh -huh. be like, this is bullshit because come on, <laughs> like, like literally everything, all of these things have to happen. Right. It's like, let's open Let's this and i'm like oh god if you just didn't even do that it would like the movie would not exist you know <laughs> um but yeah so i definitely would say i i'm gonna go with the 1932 i, I like the uh the classic it was amazing cool what about yourself chad it's it's like i, th I think these are two totally different types of movies you know the 1930 definitely. the 1932 movie uh was very claustrophobic very very small sets uh they, they couldn't show you a whole lot because i mean hollywood didn't have the ability to do that back then so they they tell you a lot through the dialogue you really have to listen i mean it's kind of a kind of a thinking man's uh old horror movie where as the 1999 film was all about spectacle i mean it, it's almost like you know someone handed that 1932 movie a joint and said here try this and it just <laughs> it opened it opened its eyes and it's like wow this is what i can be and it and it was um i i think i said it earlier in the show when i first saw the trailer uh, i was like okay this is an indiana jones knockoff and when i finally decided to watch it i was just disappointed that i'd missed it in the theater for that spectacle uh, I saw it on a tiny little 32 inch TV. So uh, it's um, it definitely uh, two types of movies. So, you know, you, you have, you know, you're, you're like more in intellectual, you're more, more that you have to listen to. Whereas you could probably watch the mummy on mute and still have a damn good time just with the visuals. Right. Well, I think that's one thing that, yeah, we, we, we didn't really touch on is just, this wasn't just a carbon copy. Like right. this movie went all out to give you something different from the 1932 version, which is why I can appreciate both of them. Um, also, I, I really love the 1959 one by Hammer Films. I want to throw that in there too. I love that one too. I mean, myself, the 1932, I'm going to give it probably four stars. I found it a bit slow um, and it's it doesn't live up to the James Whale Universal monsters, or a creature from the Black Lagoon, or Wolfman, or no, um, or no. Dracula, or Frankenstein, or Bride of Frankenstein. Though it is a hell of a lot better than the Phantom of the Opera that they did later on, but um, but it, and and the Invisible Man. So out of that, out of the Universal, you know, staple, the Mummy's my least favorite. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just means it doesn't live up to my other favorites within that that cycle of films. So I give it a four, and I kind of. And I'd love, you know, if it wasn't for Jack Pierce and Boris Karloff and you take you take them away from the movie, I don't know if the movie would stand on its own two feet yeah. sort of thing. No, yeah, Karloff true. does all the heavy lifting here. He really mm -hmm. does. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Now, as far as the 1999 Mummy, I would I will give that a five star because that's one that you can throw on at any time and just let it go. And you just sit back and just wash over you, let it watch. Don't, you know, you can think about it or over, not over, overthink it or underthink it or whatever. And it's just a fun all time movie. And it doesn't matter when it's on. You, if it's one of those movies that if, it's, if you're passing it or you're flipping through the channels and it comes on, you just end up watching it. You know, you just can't stop. So it's sort of the enjoyment factor is a five. And for overall, it shows its love of its, you know, of its, you know, of its original. And that's what I quite like about it. For me, that's why it works. Um, 
but to for me to pick one or the other i really can't it would depend on what mood i'm in if I'm into if I'm into something and I want something a bit more meatier, the 1932 film would work for me. If I want something that I just have a bit of fun and not give it a much thought and just kind of watch, it'd be the yeah. 1999 one. It's it's strange that even even Universal when they did their sequel to the Mummy, the Mummy's Hand, they did not touch Imhotep. They didn't do Ardith Bay. They went a completely different direction and created a new mummy and a new curse and all that stuff with with Karis and the Tana leaves and all that stuff. So it seems like it seems like even they kind of knew like it's a great movie, but it really didn't hold up to like the scrutiny of sequels. But then yeah, everything after the mummy's hand is completely missable. You don't need to see any of those movies. They're all awful. But um, I, I find myself preferring uh, the first sequel to the mummy, the mummy's hand, uh, even above the Karloff one, which probably sacrilege, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think sacrilege I also is a point of view. It does. It does feel like they just taken the Dracula script and just put the mummy in it, and That's it does feel the it's the same, it. same, almost, it's almost word for word in a lot of ways as well. So I was kind of wondering, it's like, mm. and Edward but Van saying Sloan, that is so brilliant. So and Edward Van Sloan is just playing Van Helsing with a different name. Yeah, and and the, same kind of, scene. the mirror scene from Dracula is redone here. Think about mm-hmm. the think about the 1999 version in those terms. Can you imagine? any of the other universal monsters let's say you have brendan fraser 1999 and a bunch of guns can you imagine dracula or frankenstein or the wolfman or the creature of the black lagoon can you imagine those monsters working in this type of film and uh, well they, i don't they, think they tried so. it with wolfman didn't it. they with ben, tried it with ben they, oh. they tried it with um benencio didn't they which oh the benito yeah, um, yeah. Benicio del Toro, the Joe Johnson, uh, Joe Johnson, I think. Yeah, Joe Johnson. Yeah, that one. you know, this, people crap on that a, film. This was the start of like redoing the whole Universal monster cycle, and there was this and Bram Stoker's Dracula, and yeah. I have to say, the Mummy actually for me works better than any of those other people films. Shit, people shit, people shit on that uh, Wolfman remake, but if you can find the director's cut, is a completely different film, and it's actually, well, in my opinion, one of my favorite werewolf. Well, films. Joe Johnston is someone else who loves the old Universal monster movies because if you mm-hmm. watch The Rocketeer, that villain, uh, I forget the villain's name, is based on Rondo Hatton. Clearly, so Joe Johnston is someone else that he appreciates these mm-hmm. movies. Um, as far as uh, attempting to re- uh, to redo Dracula, Stephen Summers tried it a couple years later when they made Van Helsing, and it bombed horrendously. Yeah, no, it was bad. Van Helsing did bomb, didn't it? Yeah, it kind of it kind of it kind of screwed up uh, Stephen Summers' career. Well, it, the, on, you know, the only it, um, Frankenstein was the only one that I liked at that time in the '90s, and Mary Shelley's. I loved yeah. that one. I just thought it well, from the a Kenneth, psychological. The Kenneth Branagh one. Yeah, yeah, that's Kenneth Branagh. I just like the psych a psychology to that versus like the older, you know, Frankenstein. Like of all the monsters, that was one that I was like, "Hey, kind of did this right." <laughs> well, you, you had that. You had that one period where it was a bunch of over reliance on CGI. You know, and that's when Van Helsing mm-hmm. came out. You also had that's true. Le- that League of so Extraordinary true. Gentlemen came out about that time too oh and that yeah. that yeah. was sheesh you want to talk about sacrilege i know to be honest the, the wolfman the wolfman remake the only problem i had with it basically is Af, um anthony hopkins chewing scenery everywhere right she's like I mean, if they took if they took no i'm just saying if someone had control over him yeah because i'm sorry but there are some actors 
that are quite good into a certain point. And then every then after that point, they become the same actor doing the same job. Like Justin Hoffman, he was fine until he did Rain Man. After Rain Man, everything became Rain Man. Yeah. Or, you know, or after Hannibal Lecter, everything <sighs> became Hannibal Lecter after that. It's like, oh, now I'm going to choose scenery for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or Al Pacino did it as well. Everything became like an Al Pacino. You know, it's like he stopped acting. He just became this thing, this right. character that became Hopkins. everything. Hopkins. Yeah. Al Pacino is just Al Pacino and everything now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's just to say, Elvis. just shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christopher Walker. So, yeah. So, but for me, the Wolfman, I mean, it's like every time I just remember seeing it at the movie theaters, and every time he came on, I, it just, I just kept cringing. Though I do have it on Blu ray, and I will, I'm going to probably I'm yeah. gonna pick it up and watch it again. So, sort of yeah, it's uh, Del, Tor- Del Toro, like, he, he, really tries to go like tone for tone uh with lon cheney jr mm-hmm. and uh he, he actually succeeds from from time to time if if your blu-ray has the director's cut that is that is the cut i prefer i don't that know if i've ever seen the director's cut i saw it in the theater i don't remember if i've ever seen the director's cut though yeah if it, it it's it's a completely different film it it changes the tone 100 it is i'm just, gonna have to check that out now it's been a long well, time benencia was fantastic he was great yeah. in it it's, it was yeah. and anthony hopkins was just like oh my god someone kill him and it, it makes it the <laughs> give him a solo bullet in the face Kind the director's cut makes it a lot up. more brutal. It's a lot more gory. The director's cut's a lot more gory than the theatrical cut as well. And it, it also adds a couple of the uh, like little subplot storylines that they had cut for time back into it. It just makes it a completely different film. I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. I haven't, I haven't seen I am, it. I, I will check it out. I don't think I've seen it besides the theatrical cut. So what uh, Keith is saying is that Claude Rain's legacy is safest for John Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> they will well, this blame you. The they will blame you. is the end of the literary license podcast our next make remake for next in november will be the women from 1939 which is directed by george cooker stars a whole host of character and stars nothing but women even the animals are female and of course we'll be doing the remake which will be the opposite sex for which is 1956 we'll be starring joan collins and uh, um june allison sorry there we go and of course next week we'll be covering our monsters and madmen series we'll be covering two more mummy films which will be the luck Besson's um french film the adventure the story the extraordinary adventures of adele blanc sock from 2010 and abbott costello meet the mummy from 1955 and our next books of screen will be gone girl by jillian flynn and the david fincher film and of course we'll be continuing our batman um retrospective to the anime series with two face part one and two and of course we'll be finishing off doctor who the daleks of 1956 no sorry 1963 so it's good night for myself up and good night chad good night y'all have a good one good night joe good night everyone good night john good night everyone good night vix good night everybody and we'll see you next week for the, the french mummy film and you ought to see what they did to my mummy pulled his organs out of his tummy put him in spice 
Wipe them in a jar, painted him up with sticky tar, wrapped him in linen from his head to his toes, pulled his brains out of his nose. That's not all the embalmers did. They buried my mummy in a pyramid. Ancient Egypt down by the Nile. Mummy's gonna be in a tomb for a while. Fago Pharaoh, it's not funny. Tell King Tut I want my mummy. Mummy's in a coffin of shining gold, lying in a tomb that's dark and cold. Jewels and treasures he'll never see, cause he's half the mummy he used to be. Dead as a doornail, blind as a bat, with a mummified dog and a mummified cat. Don't ask me what my daddy thinks, cause his chariot's parked at the local Sphinx. Ancient Egypt down by the Nile, mummy's gonna be in a tomb for a while. Fago Pharaoh, it's not funny, till King Tut, I want my mummy. Fellas with spades and a torch to see We're doing some archaeology They saw a glimmer, they dug some more Couldn't believe the things they saw Ancient paintings, priceless jewels They gave a shout and dropped their tools But the greatest treasure they found by far Was a wrinkling mummy with his guts in a jar Ancient Egypt down by the Nile Mummy's gonna be in a tomb for a while Fago Pharaoh, it's not funny Tell King Tut I want my mummy Ancient Egypt down by the Nile Mummy's gonna be in a tomb for a while Fago Pharaoh, it's not funny Tell King Tut I want my mummy Tell King Tut I want my mummy Tell King Tut I want my mummy